Ooh, Val Verde. I didn't even have it in my head. So. <laughs> Fuck, dog. <laughs> we rehearsed this yeah. shit. <laughs> dress rehearsals did not pay off. Val Verde. football fire this is the pyro podcast episode 15 this is show 179 of the 2015 offseason we're ready to fire up a couple subject matters today for you and your fantasy football pleasure and that first one's going to be point per reception so ppr cover that um up and down a bit go through uh, the uh, things that we feel about it and try and help you guys give an edge on the ppr side of things a lot of people ask us questions about it the other uh, component we're going to do segment we're going to do in this one is going to be power in numbers houdini just uh released a piece last week um, about power and numbers, and it's an old adage that Pyro lives by, and it's just really looking at who are the guys that are on the best teams that have the most chance to score a lot of points. So, as usual, across the way, I've got Stag Party, um, and to the right of myself, I got Dogmatica. I'm D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. Uh, Houdini's out on some business this week, but we are fired up to talk fantasy football goo. Uh, how you smell is doing on this uh, very, we're not allowed to have the AC plane while we do this uh, podcast, so and we can't have windows open or people complain about how bad our audio is. So we're basically sitting in a little hot box right now, sweating our balls off. Oi, Bay, how you doing? Uh, I, I'm great. And when we talk about business, uh, when it comes to where Houdini is, uh, it involves a lot of dollar bills. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, it, 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 we're sitting there sweating our balls off, and he's sitting there getting his rocks off. So either way, <laughs> I, we're we're honest, honest. I think it's costing him a lot of dollar bills. I think some of them are covered with his health insurance. <laughs> what's what's up, couples therapy? Yep. <laughs> we, uh, we love you, dudes. We love you. Uh, Just boy, kidding. Uh, what's going on? Uh, I don't know. It's it's beginning of June, and I'm, ODB's heart. Yeah, ODB's hurt. He is. And that's uh, kind of the way it's going to be for, I don't know. Till training camp? Till training camp. Until he's ready to do the strap it on and get it going on. That's, Whatever he wants to do. That's, that's life, you know. So these uh, prima donnas. I'm pretty scared for the guy. This is the same injury that he had last year that held him out. We know when he came back. Uh, we know when these injuries were happening. My, uh, my least favorite tweet that I've ever done, but I've... Ballsy enough, and I'll own it. I'm not, I haven't taken it down. Uh, is the fact that I called ODB a bust 
uh, back around last spring training. Um, yeah, maybe it was week two or something of the season you know, that he wasn't back yet. And he's always got these little nagging issues. And it goes back to, from what I know, high school and obviously college as well. I mean, he's obviously an elite, elite of talent. He's just ridiculous. But the guy's got some screwed up legs. He's got some lower body issues. He's the best pregame watch that we've had since Mark McGuire and, and Sammy Sosa in 1998. People go to those <laughs> games to watch him catch the ball before games because he, he, he puts on a show. Uh, his one-handed snags and between the leg snags and the shit that he does is, is really fun to watch. But it, this, this year, it's a different hamstring, which is cool. You know, okay. which it's not cool, obviously, that he, he's roughing up a, a whole different leg now. But it, at least it's not that same one. See, it's not like a recurring thing where you could be that yeah. tremendously worried about it. But it's still another injury. And like I said, I mean, the guy is kind of a... I, I say this every podcast, it seems like. But the guy has showed himself to be a real asshole out there. And guys want to kick his ass out there. And he got into fights, like after plays on the sidelines and excited fights because he's such a smug prick. But... <laughs> The fact that matters, he's that good, and guys are going to be gunning for him this year. Who knows if injuries occur during plays or after plays this year? Who knows? But the guy is a PPR giant as long as we're getting back to the PPR thing here. Oh, he's pretty good at PPR, huh? Yeah. There's a lot of guys who are, I don't think he takes a hit in PPR. I don't think any of these you know, top five guys really change much, except Antonio Brown goes to the top of the list. Period. No doubt about it. He had the second greatest PPR season by a wide receiver Ever in the history of football behind Jerry Rice. So this is a guy you're going to eat. He, no matter when you want to take him in a PPR format, you're justified in doing so. You're going to get one of the most consistent players on a week-to-week basis who also has huge weekly upside. Uh, he's got a quarterback who's going to sling it a lot. So, you know, just everything with Antonio Brown, you have to like except for Dogs SOS. Yes, that's that <laughs> is the problem I was going to throw at you. How does it affect? I, I can uh, see your face. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> how does it affect a, a guy like Antonio Brown when he's got the toughest strength of schedule over the over the year, and Ben Roethlisberger as well has the toughest quarterback strength of schedule over the entire year? Does that? I mean, does that affect him in terms of? I mean, he's one of those type of guys where I would normally say is immune to stuff like that. But, I, I don't know, when you're going up against the toughest competition throughout the entire season, I would think it affects him a, t- a slight bit, but I don't know. I don't know. Stags, so you, you, you tell me. He's, I think he's, they move him he's around in your the, jock, not mine. I think they move him around the formation enough to where he's sort of immune to matchups. And they move him to the slot and let Martavis play on the outside and they, you know, put him in motion a lot, so he's moving at the snap. And I think they just move him around enough to where he's not matched up against that number one corner on every play. And he, even then, sometimes he has those kind of skill sets that play well against number one corners, which is quickness in and out of routes. So I think he's, you know, pretty much immune to the strength of schedule. If there's anybody I'm worried, not worried about it, for strength schedule, it's Antonio Brown. I'm more worried about the Ben Roethlisberger side of it and maybe them going with a little more run-balanced attack because they're playing such tough pass defenses. But besides that, I think Antonio is going to be Antonio. And then everybody else in the top five of you know wide receivers pretty much the same. Julio is still going to be a great option. Uh, I think he's our top-rated player at the wide receiver position. Uh, as of our last set of tiers collectively. And then Demarius is right there. 
Dez is also right there, probably a little bit up from last season where he didn't get as many catches in that run-based offense, but that'll probably change a little bit. And then, you know, ODB and Calvin all right there in the same sort of, you know, little niche of top six players. And then Jordy, of course, is Jordy. And then probably A.J. Green is either in that tier or is going to be in his own tier at the top of tier three. Well, I, I have a slight point of contention with um, some of those top guys you, you talked about right there. Um, I do love Julio Jones up there, and he's got an incredible strength of schedule as well. He's got the fourth easiest in the entire league, and they're going to use him even more this year. Uh, that offense that they're running there ex- you know, accentuates, um, accents a guy like Julio in his position. Um, Antonio, I still do believe, is going to be there. One of my bigger questions, though, is Demarius at this point. First of all, he's skipping things right now um, because of the contract stuff and uh, whatever. He'll be back, and that'll be fine. That's not a big deal. But he also has the second toughest, right behind Antonio, the second toughest strength of schedule for for wide receivers. And it looks like Denver is moving to a more run-based offense. Does that uh, affect a guy like Demarius? And, uh, you know, not to mention just Demarius, but Emmanuel Sanders as well, Um, especially with... You know, obviously the switch to a different system and everything, and um, I don't know. It, it it strikes me as something that's going to affect certain guys that you wouldn't normally think it would affect, but I think it does this year. Especially, I heard that Peyton Manning um, looks strong as hell. I heard I heard that he looks physically as fit as he's looked in about five years or so. So that's a, that's a great thing for it. But that change of offense really is going to affect it, and we know how much changes of offense does affect certain things like this, in particular, PPR rankings and whatnot. I think Demarius does move down a couple slots. Does he move out of the top five or something? No, I don't think so. Is he still your number one guy? No, I moved him down a little bit. Uh, just, I'd rather have other guys at this point. You yeah. know, if you're not going to show up to camp, I'm not going to, you know, uh, fight to have you as my top receiver, bro. Also, <laughs> yeah. also remember we talked about a few podcasts ago where the fact that some of the news out there, you don't know until you, the season's going, but is that they're not going to be scared to, in a game that they're in a blowout win or some situation or the opposite, they're not going to be scared to, you know, Manning's taking all the snaps and they're not going to be scared to sit him for a little bit and give Brock a chance. So obviously if that starts happening and Manning's getting a little more downtime, that, from a PPR standpoint, is going to significantly affect these guys and the amount of catches they're going to. And have. they have another, uh, uh, you know, bigger type receiver, not as big and as as fast as Demarius, um, in the wings, waiting that that they could they want to bring along a little bit, and Cody Latimer. Um, so you know, and maybe Demarius gets sat for a little bit towards end of games as well. It's yeah. it's it's possible. Yeah. I mean, here's um, I don't the think it affects it that much, obviously. But. Here's the thing. You know, three straight years and 90-plus catches. In PPR, that 90 number is like the holy grail. It is. Last year, he was up at 111, you know, second most in the league. Antonio Brown had an incredible 129. Uh, so just all these things. It's like, in PPR, he's just a monster. And he, you know what he's going to do in a PPR Type format. Yeah, it's and, not an anomaly. The same thing with Antonio, who had 110 catches the year before, is exactly. 129. So you, you know can what's expect. So you can expect right around 100 catches for this guy, and you don't have to be too concerned uh, about him falling off too much. Too much. He did start the season a little bit slow last year, but in those games, his low was four catches. So you know. When we're talking about, he did have a week 14 against Buffalo where he only had two where that whole wheels came off thing. But during his slow start to the season in, you know, quotes, 
he still had four catches in at least every game through week, you know, till week fourteen. Yeah, and and that's obviously a that's a huge thing that four catch mark having it for every single game because that's a rarity. I think I did uh, some statistics last year. I did some statistics looking last year, and I think Jimmy Graham. Not was, nice, Stags. Not nice. Jimmy hey, Graham was hype, the only guy <laughs> who had like it was like fifty straight games with four, uh, four straight ca- uh, four catches in every game uh, for like more than like twenty straight games in a row. So it's not an easy thing to do. Obviously, getting four catches in every single game for. Uh, number of games in a row. So the fact that Demarius is still doing that and, and did do that last year pretty much, um, that's obviously a big deal. The next point of contention, getting away from those guys for a second, um, is another couple guys that were in the top 10 last year, uh, especially when it comes to fancy points and receptions as well. But that's Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Devontae Adams is a force to be reckoned with. Love and him. he's somebody who's going to come on this year a little bit more. Um, I, I think that they have enough talent around Rodgers that he's, and we all know that Rodgers does spread the ball around. I think he spreads it around even more this year. Um, Devontae, you know, after, I don't know, was it about week four or five, he finally got into the full swing of things, and he, then he had a couple of really good games. Then some slow games in the midst there, and then a, another big game or two or whatever. But this year, He's going to be fully acclimated to it. He's going to be not just a wide receiver three type guy. He's going to be out there a lot. And I think that takes away a bit from somebody like a Jordy Nelson and a Randall Cobb. Nelson's coming off of uh, some surgery this offseason. Cobb has already stated uh, flat out. Today. Today. (laughs) I'm going to be tough pressed, really tough pressed to repeat those numbers from last year. So don't don't really expect that. Devontae has been really working into this offense. Um, so, it, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. To go to your uh, SLS, they have the wide receivers for the Packers in the fourth hardest schedule. That's now, true. who does that benefit the most by far? It's the third fiddle, and it's Devontae Adams. I think if they've got two great corners, it, it's the third dude. It's good. You even love the fourth dude on the Green Bay Packers. So, in these games where they're going up against tough coverage, that, that guy's even more psyched. Oh, it's yeah. the third and the four guy because they're not going to get the top end uh, elite talent. So something to consider. I really like uh, a Devontae and knowing where he's going in drafts. He's uh, his value. There's just no question about it. In my opinion, on the ROI uh, review that we'll do after this season, that Devontae Adam from where he's his ADP and where he's getting drafted and where he's going to finish with fantasy points. I think it's going to be he's going to be green. He's going to be much higher than where he got where he went. Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you that for, first and foremost. My love for that fourth Green Bay receiver isn't so much because of where they, where they are in the beginning of the season. It's where they are somewhere in the middle and all the way through. When Cobb the gets end. banged up, it's just, yeah. When there's all, every single year, it's been the same thing since I think 2007. The fourth receiver on the Green Bay Packers always gets in there and always makes a difference. You know, even dating back to you know Greg Jennings or. Or even, you know, Jordy Nelson was a fourth receiver at one point. Randall Cobb, all these guys worked their way up through it, and there's always one injury to a Green Bay receiver where that fourth receiver comes in, makes a difference as a three, and, uh, you know, from there on, there on out, they end up making their money. So. You miss talking about um, Donald Driver. Maybe Donald Driver needs to be our new Derek Mason. 
Maybe. Donald he's, Driver. I would rather talk about, about Driver. The guy, a, what a great story that guy was. I you mean, just want to talk about hitting your golf driver. That's all yeah. you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, he was homeless, right? He was homeless. Driver, he was. driver was homeless. He actually is the guy that made the calls at... Uh, for at the NFL draft, they had each team had a representative come in, and Donald Driver was there, and obviously, a ton of people from Indianapolis. There's one guy, an old guy, that was like seven years old, dressed in a Bart Starr outfit, from full Indianapolis. On. What's it? What? What? <laughs> you said from Indianapolis? I from said Green Indiana- Bay? from Green Bay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I thought you said then Minneapolis. I'm like, I said Minneapolis? <laughs> yeah, Fran Tarkenton. Uh, but he had the full getup. But when and whenever Donald Driver came out, the Chicago fans were going nuts. Boo, boo. He was laughing his ass off. But Donald, good story. You know, some things we can talk about that are that's really annoying me right now is wide receivers coming out and being like, I don't know if I could do that again. Yeah. Like, Thanks, Emmanuel Sanders. Got to move you down Seriously. my tears now, you douche. Yeah. Thanks, Randall Cobb. Got to push you down a little bit, too. Anybody else want to tell me, like, they can't do it again? Like, you're really starting to get on my nerves. Absolutely. Like, like come on, guys. Like, you know, have a little confidence. Emmanuel Sanders was a top five wide receiver in PPR scoring formats last season. You'll never and- hear Brandon Marshall say, I don't think I'm going to do that this year. <laughs> Even no. if he thinks it, he ain't going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> But these guys coming out and saying like, "I'm just trying to get a thousand yards." When I when he had like what fifteen hundred or fourteen hundred last season, yeah, and you know nine touchdowns, like twelve touch for Randall Cobb. Oh uh, no, uh, Emmanuel Sanders oh, was yeah, fourteen hundred and uh, seven touchdowns or nine touchdowns, nine I think. So it's like, oh, no. I don't think I could do that again. I think I'm gonna get like a thousand yards this season and help my team win. Like, dude, shut the fuck up and like. Man up, dude. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. That's the worst. You need an ego to play in, in the NFL these days. There are so many gigantic, just, you know, testosterone-driven men in, in, in this league these days. If you show any sort of weakness, you're fucked. I mean, you are done. I mean, I, I, listen, I, I'm a big fan of Emmanuel Sanders. I had a hard-on for him when he first came out. I thought he was better than Antonio Brown. Then he got started getting injured over and over and over again. Brown took a spot. Brown became the better player. That's a fact of the matter, and that's the way it is. But Sanders finally proved himself a little bit last year. And, reach, and, and had that hyperextension. Remember that hit he had? And he played the next game. Yeah. So the injury bug and being being light and being a puss, is, is, is that label can be removed, you know, for... For based on what he did with the Broncos in his first Well, that's what I was talking about with this whole Demarius thing as well, is that Sanders knows, listen, this ball is going to be spread around a little bit more. There's going to be a lot more of a running game. I'm not going to get the ball as much. Plain and simple. He's stating it outright, which is a bummer. I would rather <laughs> I would rather him not do that because it shows weakness. And believe me, I don't think he's going to be on my team this year because of it. Mm-hmm. But I know that Denver, that's the way that Denver is going to be. He's just, he's out there telling the truth, which is kind of a bummer. And I know that those guys aren't going to get as many targets as they had the previous year. 184 targets for Demarius, 141 for Emmanuel. That's not going to happen again, folks. That Demarius had the most targets in the league. That's not happening again. Not in this offense. Not in this new offense. What do you get? Here's the thing. Like, they were a league average team at the end of the season in terms of run pass ratio on the season as a whole. But during those last five or so weeks when Manning was either injured or hobbled or they switched the offense, old, old, whatever you kind of want to call it, or lump them all in together, it was all a little bit of everything. You know, they were like 
50-50. You know, league average run pass ratio is like 57 to, you know, 42 and a half these days. So even, you know, and then there's the De- are the Baltimore Ravens who were, you know, Kubiak's team last team last season were 55% uh, pass, 45% run. So yeah, they're, they're going to lose a couple percentage and they're going to lose some targets. Now, are these guys going to be able to take the next step? And here's the thing. I think Manuel might be able... It might be selling himself short a little bit on the I'm just going to get 1,000 yards. Because I think he's still got 1,200-yard you know, potential with the loss of Julius Thomas, with the loss of Wes Welker, and you know the reports coming out about Cody Latimer today being checked out of the offense and... You know, not mentally really checked. mentally checked out of the offense, not really you know honing his craft last season, and you know not really giving because he was fifth. I, you know what? I, I don't want to say I'm blank. <laughs> you never want to check out of what's going on, especially as a rookie, um, especially mentally. That's just not the way to do it. But when you're still listed behind Andre Caldwell, I'd be pretty bummed out about that too. You, know? you, you can be out of the league in two years, or you can work your butt off to get ahead of. Uh, Hopefully, he's working his butt off to actually do something this year, and he knows he's in a prime position to do so. Um, but to go into what you're saying, over the last five weeks of the year, last year, um, you're correct. Demarius had the second most targets in the entire league, but on 60 targets, he only had 29 receptions. That's pretty piss poor, and he only had two touchdowns. Well, that's because Peyton couldn't throw off that time. <laughs> okay, granted, but Emmanuel Sanders only had 36 targets and 25 catches. His in the target last five volume games. was what really scared me. Yes, exactly. Uh, wow. During the last five that's years. That's minuscule. <laughs> wow. If you want to look at his splits, look at like the first 10 weeks of his season and compare it to the last six weeks, and you will be utterly shocked. Uh, and people are still <laughs> slotting him. You know, up there near the top ten. And I think today I just, you know, like reluctantly bumped him down to like 15 or so. Uh, He'll probably get a little bit of a bump in PPR formats. End up around maybe 13, maybe 12, somewhere in that kind of range. Uh, You're doing doing bumps over there? uh, (laughs) Here and there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, one thing. I want to give a pyro pyro, uh, promo here. And um, basically what we're going to tell you to do is what we tell you every show. Head on over to iTunes. Give us a, a five-star rating. Give us some love. Um, make, it, make it happen. Give us a review. Give us a nice write-up. Uh, we had a few in the last week. Thank you very much for those of you that are doing it. I'm getting messages on all our social media that, hey, we're loving the draft kit. I'm going to go and do a review. I'll make that happen. So if you're one of the people that haven't done it yet, please do me a favor. Go over there, iTunes. All you got to do is search uh, in the store for uh, Fantasy Football uh, Fire Pyro Podcast or just go to Fantasy Football and I think we're the... Scroll to the right. We're gonna. The reason why we want you to do this is so you don't have to scroll to the right. And you're right there. Uh, Stag Party's gonna read out a, a review that we got in the past week, right? Yep. Uh, on June 8th, 12KM12 gave us a five-star review. He said, these guys saved me for myself so many times. They go above and beyond to help you win each week. They don't give you the toss-ups so you should play him or him. They just tell you like it is. Best in the biz. Hey, thanks very much, 12KM12. Is that like twelve Cam Newtons in a case? Like I can drink those all day. What do, what do you what do you like to drink again? What's your favorite beer? Bush latte. Bush latte. The bush latte. Let's get a bush. This guy's got a great term. That is awesome. Bush latte. I mean, uh, all the hops <laughs> in a bush latte. What's not to like? 
<laughs> so good. But do us do us a favor. Go to iTunes and do those reviews. If you don't use iTunes, um, then go and, and follow us on Spreaker. Go and follow us on uh, Stitcher. Stitcher. I wanted to say our iHeartRadio, but those bastages, they, they haven't accepted us yet. Accept it. Accept us. Accept us. Accept us. We got big plans. I want to be able to say we're huge. We're huge on uh, uh, Stitcher. Oh, Val. Val. Verde. <laughs> There's a couple more things. What are you drinking today over there? I'm rocking out, uh, what is this thing called? It's the new one out of, uh, from the uh, Half Acre. It's the Vallejo Indian Pale Ale. It's, it's more Vallejo. of like, it's more of like uh, Vallejo. It's more of like a... a Mexicans, Vallejo. I'm not doing my tildes or my enyes or my elyes very well. But it's a really light yes. kind of... It's a session. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a session IPA. So it's a lighter, uh, you know, alcohol content. In, you can drink them all the more. I'm enjoying it, but I enjoy some of their other beers a lot more. And I'm not much of a session guy. I drink to get drunk. <laughs> it's I mean, a cool looking can. Oh, uh, it is yeah, great. Sure, and it's man. got a nice feel to it as well. Yeah, and yeah. Half Acres Boss. I mean, Daisy yeah, Cutter, wow. uh, Ioka that they do. So uh, that beer, I mean, that's a local Ravenswood. They've been around there at the forefront of the Chicago brewing community. We love you, Half Acre. Keep and, it up. And the only other thing is it reminds me of Vallejo, California, which is like right near Yeah, that's where you're from. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, Great America or whatever. Great America SeaWorld, I think it is. It's a cool place. Check it out. The SeaWorld, <laughs> well, the SeaWorld well, part will probably, we'll probably be gone within the next two years. The numbers aren't I don't promising. even know. I couldn't tell, as it should be. Screw I couldn't it. tell you the last time I was there. Probably like, you know, ten years ago, but... Yikes. <laughs> yeah, they're actually doing commercials now on, on TV about SeaWorld oh, where, yeah. the, where, where the, uh, the instru- instructors or whatever, the people yeah. who take care of like the whales and stuff, come out and say, wait. We're we- doing it good. Yeah. It's we- great. We're treating them awesome. Here's some SeaWorld facts. And then, they, then you see a picture that somebody takes, and the friggin' uh, orca is sitting there like contained in a little veal kennel. Uh, yeah. Let the thing be free. It's like Dogmanica. If I kept you in that chair all week, and every week you just said stay there until we were ready for this podcast again, and then we said okay, Dogmanica. Don't it's be doing that to us, How would you feel? <laughs> we, you feel? we only let dog out the cage for the <laughs> podcast. I can't get rid of this porn on my computer. Fuck. Let's well, go. Well, that's a different. That's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. We're talking. We talked about tears in our video earlier. Check that out, video cast. Uh, that was pretty fun and awesome. But we'll do. We'll talk about uh, who getting porn, getting some porn off for of, our, uh, of our computers in a future video. Let's talk about some guys, wide receivers, who move up a couple spots in PPR type formats. Uh, how about a Julian Edelman? You know how for he sure. moves up. Worthless you know? unless you're in PPR. Yeah, uh, you know a couple other guys like Jarvis Landry gets a little bit of a bump. Absolutely, I think Vincent Jackson gets a bump in PPR type formats this season, especially if he goes on Great. that touchdown catching rate like he did last season of two. Totally agree. <laughs> knowing uh, knowing how Winston uh, locks in on certain guys, I'm thinking that uh, Evans is going to be getting a lot of targets. I I really like him in PPR, even though he's a big body and you wouldn't think it. I think he's going to get a lot his, of action. his catch percentage was. Anti PPR last season. We'll see if it changes with a new, you know, QB. with a real, with with a half real QB because it's still a rookie. Man, I like you, the if way you listen to Peyton, any of the guys hey. in Cleveland, they'll tell you that Josh McCown is the second coming of Peyton Manning. 
<laughs> That's what they'll tell you. Hey, as they should. What do you, we were just complaining about wide receivers. They were like, "We're not. I'm not that good. I'm not going to be able." You want you want your coaches and your staff? They're all sitting there like, "Yeah, we're great. We're just one play away." <laughs> and then there's a guy who moves up in a big, big way. Who we probably haven't talked enough about this offseason. Agree. And Allen Robinson. I agree. Yeah. Let's talk about some Allen Robinson. He's some things up. to He's like. He's up for me. Even I mean, non-PPR. Uh, I think I moved him today close to the top 35 or so, yeah. top 36. Yeah. So he'll be a wide receiver three pretty clearly for me, I think, when all is said and done. And in PPR, I think he'll be a solid wide receiver three. I think uh, once he got really acclimated to the offense from week four on, he averaged something like five catches a game, 50 yards, you know, PPR you know, genius. Yeah, like well, things it, you gotta like in PPR type format. He's he's a big body out there that um, you, is very tough to guard. You know, it's especially in that division, which doesn't play a whole hell of a lot of uh, a pasty over there. But Jaguars are going to be behind quite a bit. Um, they're going to try and move to a running game, but they're going to be behind quite a bit. Marquise Lee, who I do like as a player, is still behind a bit in the learning curve um, from everything that I've heard in. Uh, OTAs and, and uh, you know the practices that they're having right now. He's still a bit behind that learning curve. Alan Hearns is not uh, the second coming. He had a couple of really outstanding plays last year, but don't think that he is anything all that special. I think I think he was undrafted, right? Undrafted, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, free agent last year. Um, Alan Robinson is going to be the real deal. You watch some of his game tape actually um, in the Big Ten. There, uh, he he was actually pretty impressive, and that's. Some decent competition that he's going against there when he was playing for Penn State. I think that that um, Robinson, the Allen that you're talking about, and uh, Benjamin are all big body, but they're possession receivers. It's the same thing that more or less. I mean, Fitz had his great moments, but those guys are all. He's a big body, but he's always been a possession receiver. He's always been a hands guy. So I think that um, the, the, that kind of mold is. This, I think the same goes for a Benjamin. He could be an okay PPR guy, even with the. Bunches or bunches of that's from, uh, but I bunches of bunches, bunches of buns of bun. That was one of my nicknames for my old girlfriend. I'm not sure if she likes Fritos go with lunch. Like BLF, she's like, what are you talking about? Best friends forever. I'm like, no, buns of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I like Alan Robinson. He is a precise route runner. You know where he's going to be. He's consistent in the offense. Uh, you know, not an overly huge guy, but one of those six two six, two fifteen six two six three guys, six, like three, an yeah. Anquan Bolden. You know, an Anquan Bolden type size and type stature, and kind of how he plays. Kind of how he plays reminds me of Anquan Bolden. He's always attacking the ball, yep. yes, and he's always he's running precise routes, and you powerful. know where he's going to be. And when he's got the ball in his hands, he's a powerful type guy, and he can break some tackles. So. I like everything that's kind of going into him, and I I like that he's going to be the number one because Blackman up and you know crapped his pants and well they denied know. they denied him his reinstatement yeah, yeah. I, which is so, which I don't well, know what do you have to be doing to get like denied your reinstatement you got to like fail a drug test or like miss well, a drug I heard test he missed the drug test yeah. and which is considered a fail. So, they missed yeah, the they drug said, test. This idiot. I thought it was unreal. the same scout that was in the bar down at LSU. <laughs> has been scouting him and like, yeah, he basically is at the bar in the morning, in the afternoon. I'm not sure he's ready to recommit. Yeah. But what an idiot. What a talent. Yeah. So I'd, The I'd, one thing I'll say about Rob, Rob, Alan Robinson before we go on is this is a guy that hopefully, we all like him, hopefully he's an injury-prone dude. Has been in college, has been, was even last year. Uh, I hope he can get over it. The way some other players, like an Emmanuel Sanders, you mentioned, like 
NBA reference. Stephen Curry was able to get over his ankle injuries yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. sort of. I hope that can happen, and I hope the same for ODB Jr. Uh, I really hope that can happen because if he's another one of those guys that's always banged up, and we talked about it probably more a couple years ago with Dan Quan Bolden, uh, three years ago probably on the podcast, but he used to do that thing where he'd always be like kind of banged up, but give it a go. You'd play him on your fantasy team, and he's garbage, and he's yeah. hurt, but he's a, he's an Iron Man, but that doesn't do anything for fantasy owners. So I just hope that Allen Robinson isn't the, re, the, the, the reinvention or the modern-day version of that, and it might be. And I just hope he can get over those injuries because he, he has proven to be a little banged up always. Well, you, you've now mentioned Bolden and Fitzgerald in, in the same sentence as an Allen Robinson. Love them both. So uh, let's talk about some Cardinals here. Um, I'm hearing incredible things about John Brown over there, that he's bulked up and he's put on some pounds so he could withstand uh, the hits at the line because that, that was one of his biggest problems uh, in his freshman year in the NFL is that uh, he couldn't get off the line because they were bumping him so hard. Uh, so he, he bulked up a bit and he's um, a lot stronger coming off the line and everything I've heard is that uh, he's, he's ready to take some control here. And if Fitz is falling off uh, the, the way it seems like he is a little bit, I mean, I, I never want to doubt Fitz because he's going to go down as one of the best wide receivers of all time. Um, it's, it's tough to say anything bad against somebody like Larry Fitzgerald who still teaches a camp for even the best wide receivers in the entire league will go to, to his camp just to learn a thing or two. Um, but if if he if John Brown it starts to come on a little bit more and uh, Michael Floyd doesn't progress the way that uh, he was hoping to or ever you know a lot of fancy owners were hoping he would last year. Um, if he's if he's still just kind of a decoy out uh, running deep in in that Arians offense. John Brown could have a serious PPR year, and that's a that's a real possibility, especially with Carson Palmer saying just today, I think it was, or yesterday, um, that he's as strong as he's he's felt in five to ten years. He's worked out because of that injury he had last year. He's worked out as hard as he, he could since, like, last November, and he feels a lot better than he has in, like, the last five, six, seven years, which is a great thing to hear for Arizona, especially since they're going to be passing the shit out of the ball. I mean, here's the thing we got to talk about. Are they going to be able to catch a great percentage of their passes, or is it going to be the Michael Floyd type fifty percent catch rate? You know, John Brown type fifty percent catch rate, and you know, Larry Fitzgerald's you know better than that. Yeah. But these guys are all sort of hit or miss on a weekly basis, and it's not one of those things you love in PPR type formats where you know John Brown catching under forty or under fifty percent of his passes, and you're a little bit concerned about that. But I think with the thing that John Brown's doing, I think they'll have to try to get him the ball in space a little bit more underneath, and you know also use his deep you know deep speed a little bit. So he's not going to have a catch percentage of like a you know a Percy Harvin who always had a pretty good one around sixty five percent or a Julian Edelman type. So it's going to be a little bit lower in this Cardinals type offense. So you got to temper expectations a little bit just because they're a vertical passing team. Yeah. That's the structure of their offense, and you have to know that. Absolutely. And we can't write off Larry Fitzgerald. The things Larry Fitzgerald has done with Carson Palmer, a quarterback, are much different than the things he's Absolutely. done uh, with Drew Stanton, a quarterback, with you know whoever bum they've been throwing out besides Drew Stanton. Ryan Lindley, is that yeah. who it was for a while there? Yeah, even Logan uh, Thomas. Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas. No, it, it, who, who they're saying they might cut. Fan favorite, yeah. Uh, <laughs> everything I've heard, he's, he's probably going to Logan's be Logan's gone. No. 
No, I mean, he's just not He's not living up to anything. I think they're trying to light a fire underneath him a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's so. Coach we'll speak. see what happens. So, but the things he's down. done in terms of averages with Carson Palmer are pretty impressive over the last two seasons. I think he's averaged like you know, five or six catches mm-hmm. for 70 to 80 yards and you know, a touchdown every one of one every three games. Yeah. So you, with a healthy Carson Palmer... And a healthy Larry Fitzgerald. I think there could be a little bit of a resurgence in uh, Larry's game this season. I think they have the best rapport. You know there's not going to be a tight end involved. And hopefully, you know, these two backs in the backfield, who are both very, very, very highly regarded pass catchers, can open up some space for just Larry to run curl routes all day long. Agreed. <laughs> now, earlier we did... He's going uh, late. We did a yeah. we did a video cast earlier. The Valverde cast. Yes, a Valverde Valverde. That's all, folks. Anyway, Sorry. so we did a video okay. cast earlier, and um, I was ta- we were talking about tiers, and I was talking about highlighting guys farther down your list, uh, guys that might be skipped over or or uh, not thought of by other uh, other uh, teams in your league or whatnot. John Brown, that's what I'm talking about with John Brown. I'm not going to say put John Brown up in like your top 20 guys because that's not legitimate. That's not realistic. That's not going to happen. But he's one of those type of guys that you should highlight on your PPR list because he's going to be down your list a little bit, obviously. He's a, he's a third receiver who isn't that big and didn't really show. A, I mean, he showed some his, his freshman year, his rookie year last year, um, but he's not going to be high on a lot of people's lists. That's the type of guy that I like to, uh, you know, Highlight and put a little star by or something like that for later on in a PPR draft where people might not be thinking about somebody like that. You know that this kid has the potential to be able to uh, jump up a little bit higher than some of the other some of the other guys. You know who's in a top five for me these days is a Val Verde. Oh shit! There's a couple of rookies I really like in PPR formats. Uh-huh. I really like in Amari Cooper, as I told you. I think he's probably going to catch 80 passes this season. Uh, Kevin White, I like a little bit less because I think he's got that big play kind of potential. But then there's the guys like Nelson Aguilar, who could be either a big play guy or he could be PPR guy. We'll kind of see how that plays out. And then I definitely thought Devontae Parker, before his injury, was going to be more of a PPR guy just because of... I don't think Ryan Tannehill still could throw it deep, even uh, if he tried. Yeah. But don't. But they're saying he's going to be back before uh, before, before week one. But he's yeah, but, he's got, but with a foot injury, not preseason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but with a foot injury, yeah. Yeah, Remember I mean, a it, Julio it, Jones type foot injury. Maybe his wife shouldn't have made fun of Cleveland. Right now, Cleveland's going to. I think that like, was his mom. I mean, mom. Sorry, yeah. his wife. <laughs> 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 maybe he's got an Adipel complex. Reinserting a, a screw, a larger screw, into his foot because the short one, the, the small one, didn't hold up. So they're reinserting a larger screw into his foot. This is going to take a little while. This is not. No they doubt. say it's an eight to twelve week injury, and it's more along the lines of twelve weeks. This is not something you just come back from and just start playing, and you're okay. He's gonna. He's a rookie. He's going to be missing everything you need to learn in that early on, early you know sessions. Um, and he's—I I gotta tell—he's—he's—he's he's, he's a great talent, but I don't see him as an ODB who could just come back and do what ODB did last year. Couldn't agree more. And they're saying they—they think of him as a long. We drafted him that high to think of him as a long term. We're not going. They're not going to rush him back. This is the same thing. Remember Julio Jones two years ago? His injury was the same thing. Bad screw, screw gone awry on AstroTurf. 
uh, and all of a sudden you're sitting there, and before uh, you got to re re deal with it. When you got screws in your feet, and you are running, and you are a wide receiver, and you are cutting, there is nothing good about that. And it, a guy like Devontae Parker, I think I was the highest on him in our last version of tears. I think I had him top twenty uh, wide receiver. I just thought I thought he was going to be so much better than a Jarvis. I just thought he was going to be ready to go. Wow, that guy after hearing this news. Plummeting. Yeah. Plummeting. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks that it happened because this guy has the talent. I, my fear for him at the at the next level was he fast enough? Was he strong enough? He might have been one of those kind of guys that was just wasn't strong and fast enough and kind of wasn't great in the NFL. But I wanted to see him play this year and see what he had. Now it's like starting his career off on the wrong. It, there's, uh, there's. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, there oh, there's, uh, there's nothing worse than a bad screw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. Let's talk about uh, some running backs. Yeah, no, actually, real quick, I wanted to throw, as long as you threw out the Devontae Parker there, I wanted to throw in one more rookie that's definitely worth looking at when it comes to PPR, especially because of the system he's about to go into. That's Bashad Perriman. Um, that, yeah, you're like I do. I'm a big fan. All right, He has shown to be way better than where he was even drafted. Um, the biggest problem with him coming out of college was his drops. And they say he, he hasn't dropped a fucking thing at all in, in, in any of the OTAs. It's like literally like since it's been like three weeks since he's <laughs> dropped the ball. Which is pretty impressive. Can we call Mark Trestman and ask him like, hey Mark Trestman, how's practice today? Oh, it's the best practice we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah but <laughs> whatever. The kid still has 428 speed. Okay, four two eight speed, and he's playing next to a 36, 37 something year old Steve Smith on the other side. He's and got this is a he lineage. He, sorry to interrupt. He comes from lineage where I've had his dad on my fantasy football team. I think you yeah. have too. Oh, absolutely. Nope. He was part of the three headed trio for the Lions. Oh yeah. Three one thousand yard receivers. Absolutely. Harriman, uh, Herman Moore. And I don't know why I always screw this up. Uh, Johnny Morton. Was it Morton? Was it Morton? It might have been Morton. I can't remember. You guys always try to do this. I think you're wrong every time. We might be wrong. We named them all. We can't get the same three correct. Um, There's certain things we just can't get. You've got to enjoy us and uh, understand it. But if you think about it, this this offense, this Trustman offense, is the same offense that got both Marshall and Jeffrey and Forte all over, I think, 80 catches or, or something like that. Uh, I mean, he got Forte the record for running backs last year, obviously with 102. But he got both Marshall and Jeffrey the year before that, I think both over 90 catches apiece. Uh, Alshon had 89. 89, whatever it is. And I think it's the second the receiver 90s, yeah. on the Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco as your quarterback is going to be a fucking stud. And get used to get used to this Perriman guy. He's going to be somebody you're going to want to target. That's that's, awesome. that's my that's what I'm saying on this one. No, you you like him. I know I know that mock. I saw. I, I thought when you took took him, it was like exact. I knew it was a great pick for you. I know that was one of those picks that we were talking about in our video cast earlier. You were like, "Yes, I got this guy." Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of that, just knowing you know your stuff, uh, Perriman's definitely moving up my. Uh, yeah, got him uh, in the tenth round. He was like the forty fourth receiver taken. So happy with that. Yeah, I was extremely happy with that. You get any receiver in a Tressman offense. I think Doug just looked at my tears and was like, "I'm gonna steal this guy from Stags." Yeah, there was some of that. There was some of that. You think that's what happened? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I know. That I know. Guy, I wasn't looking at my I'm, tears. I'm pretty sure the next guy I wanted Niall Davis, and I was like, he's gonna take him to handcuff. Uh, you know, I took it. I took your guy, yeah. Shane. Yeah. And then I, because I wanted, I wanted Niall, and I was thinking about doing it before, but I didn't want to drink your milkshake, and I had already just taken a few running backs. But I really want that guy, and in that kind of roundage. If something happens, we never want injuries, but if something does happen uh, to the guy in front of you, Nile Davis and, and Andy Reid and the, and the Chiefs is He's just a great a place to be. He's going to get a boatload of carries for 3.3 yards of carry. We've seen it. Yeah, that's fine. Give me, he's a, he'll, he'll be getting a lot of opportunity. I'll take it. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, let's talk about some running backs now. Absolutely. Running backs, PPR, totally different ballgame. I think there's a couple guys who definitely move up. The Le'Veon Bells. The Matt Forte, who even if he shares the workload in the backfield running the ball, I don't think he will do it on third down because he is a monster. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so even though we're slowly moving him down our rankings, PPR we are not going to do so as much. No way. And we're probably actually going to bump him up a little bit. Uh, I think you know pretty but much. But career every- year, don't don't. Don't come near to expecting the record. Oh, don't expect 102 yeah. catches again. Just, just take it, take the grain of salt. You, 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 you can get 50, 50, 50 to 60 year. catches probably again. Yeah, no, no uh, doubt. Yeah, I mean, I would oh, say yeah. you'd be really hard pressed to get 70 to 80, but uh, he's the type of guy that he does catch the ball a ton out of the backfield. He's one of the best at it, that's for sure. And there's one of the reasons that he does is because Cutler loves doing it. Yeah, Cutler would rather, rather take the hit and knows that he's, he, he's got to be careful, Cutler. And that's the way he does it. When he's slinging it, and sometimes he gets into those interceptions, he knows that if he's care- careful Cutler to, to Forte, that everyone in Chicago is like, Yay, he didn't yeah, screw up. Yeah, he didn't fuck <laughs> up. He got to Forte. He Good job. It. We got our six yards. I Woo-hoo. think LaShawn McCoy moves up a little bit in Agreed. that same kind of respect. Mm-hmm. Because you know the Bills threw it to the running backs like 26% of the time last season, and their quarterbacks still sucked last time I checked. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> and Rex Ryan doesn't want to be uh, called out as a racist uh, in the next couple of years. I think there's three guys that need to be mentioned big time. Maybe, you know what? I'm going to make it four. Four that need oh. to be mentioned. All four of these guys are, are definitely shoot up your charts um, based on the PPR specifically. I think they're all good running backs in their own right. But when it comes to PPR, these guys definitely shoot up. Justin Forsett. In that Tressman offense, seeing what Forte did, I think he shoots up the frickin' charts with the, with that PPR. If he can come close to approaching what Forte did last year PPR-wise, that guy, I'm sorry, he's definitely up there. It's, I know it's strange. You think, Justin Forsett, really? This guy? Are you kidding me? What's his age? Believe me, you dude. I, out his if you really think that Buck Allen is going to take over there that quickly as a rookie... Sorry, you got another thing coming. It's going to be four set. I know you're rolling your eyes at me, Stag, but believe me. I just me, fucking hate Justin. Wilson. It's a four set. Believe me. It, I believe. I don't. I'm not the biggest four set fan either. But he's going to do it in this system. Let's move on to the next couple of guys. Andre Ellington. I think he's gone down people's charts a little bit. And yes, David Johnson got drafted there, and it's going to get a little bit of third down work as well. But he definitely shoots up when it comes to PPR. His touchdowns are nil. Basically, which is why you depend on him for the PPR, a la Julian Edelman. Um, another guy, Giovanni Bernard. Obviously, yeah. he's going to be a huge PPR guy. Uh, being behind Jeremy Hill when it comes to the carries now, he's going to be dependent on his PPR when it comes to the fancy points. That's another guy to target. Another guy, and this last guy I think may be the gem of the bunch and could end up, if you draft him in the right place, uh, he... he 
I don't know. There's potential for him to win you, win the league for you, especially in the offense that he's going to go to. C.J. Spiller. C.J. <laughs> Spiller. I'm telling you right now, if if Ingram gets hurt like he normally gets hurt, and oh, Spiller is playing so the way that he's been playing in the OTAs and the practices, and they're gushing about him like crazy, he could, this guy could end up with a starting job over Ingram. I've never been that impressed with Ingram as is. Yeah. And C.J. Spiller's always been an incredible talent in wrong places at the wrong time, in wrong systems. You put him in there in, in Peyton's, in Sean Payton's system over there. I Granted, they're moving to a little bit more of a running scheme, but this kid can really, I mean, if he can take over that Pierre uh, Thomas type of uh, situation there and gather all of those PPR points, the way that they run that offense there, even if they s- just slightly carry over what they did um, with the Saints over the last eight years, seven years, or whatever. You remember this how much success they had with Sproles? Oh, yeah, the whole Sproles. If you got Sproles, and we know Sproles is a sick guy. He's the kind of guy that's much more talented than you give him credit for. But it, if, if you get a healthy speller and that elite athleticism playing that, that role, four, getting, two, eight, getting, yeah, getting, getting that Lord. kind of Sproles action, and add even, even with, that's even with an Ingram healthy. So, uh, But if Ingram goes down, then you're just like, oh, my God, you got to work our back. you got to work course back. Absolutely. You, as yeah, long as he's healthy, you're going to be yeah, you're top yeah, 10 right. back. And that's why he's going high. Spiller's going high. So this is not necessarily... That's what I'm saying, getting him the not, right spot. He's not a value pick right now. You see him and he's going I think he's correctly lot, valued. That's fine. But he's not, yeah. he's not, he's not a guy that you're going to come in. He's not being He's drafted. not a guy you're going to get in the 10th plus He's round. the highest drafted backup. Yep. Probably. Hands down. Yes, him or Gio are right in the same range. Uh, uh, him and who? Him and Gio. Yeah, Bernard. In terms yeah, of ADP. Sure. Uh, here, Higher than guys like... Uh, uh, than starters. Like yeah. uh, Ivory and... You know, McFadden. Cornell and Joseph Randall, you mean? Randall. <laughs> he's, he, he's got no chance. It's, <laughs> well, Rashad Jennings, he's higher than, of course. Yeah. Bishop Sankey. Yeah, the the, I, the I just, backs, whatever. I just want to talk, Justin Forsett, on the counterpoint a little bit. Everybody always talks about how he's going to catch a crap load of passes. And he's caught passes before in his career. Mm-hmm. But he's not a very good pass protector. So that, you know, that Buck Allen's an elite pass protecting back. And can you tell me, Justin's for, for set average yards per catch? Last year? If no, I could. career. If I could, that would mean oh, that I've never been outside. 6.2. 7. It's okay. And, I, I went real low because you had that look on your face. His, <laughs> his career rushing percentage is 5.1. A good running back receiver type has a you know yard per catch over ten. Agreed. Yeah. His is just terrible. So I, I, while he might get a bunch of catches, I think they're eventually just going to be underwhelmed with what he can do on the screen play and what he can do on those type of plays that they're going to give it to Buck Allen. And I think he might instead of thinking that he's going to get like seventy-five to eighty catches like a Matt Forte has for Trustman, I think he might you know stick around the forties. So I think he can be in that same sort of maybe the cusp of top twelve value as a PPR runner, but not pushing you up into the top ten. And that's just where I'll leave it. And, and that's fine. I, I I understand what you're saying there, but I, I can't stress enough how much a system makes a difference. Uh, you, you look at somebody like a 
What do you think Martellus Bennett's really going to do this year? You think he's going to approach the 90 catches and, you know, 985 yards and however many Can touchdowns he had? <laughs> Can I tell I you mean, that? That guy's going to have half as many catches and half as many yards. As far as my tears going into our mock draft a couple weeks last week or whatnot, I had Martellus Bennett in tier two as my last guy. But draft time, real time, I went for uh, Zach Ertz. Yeah. And he, who was like six guys beneath him. Just thinking in the moment, and that's why you do tiers early and you do mock drafts early. But in the moment, I was like, what the hell is Bennett? You know, Bennett, you look at his stats and you do that. And he had a great thing with Tressman and, and Cutler. I agree with you. He's going to plummet. Gonna plummet. I mean, yeah. whatever he he had happening, Trub City. There's no way he's, and we he's all not a know, PPR tight end anymore. We all know, after years of experience of watching it, whenever guys hold out and they don't come to, to, to practice and all that stuff, they don't play as well that next year. They're they just and they're don't. Yeah. Unless you're Marshawn Lynch, because he did that last year. Well, Marshawn's a beast, but <laughs> Lynch is a whole different story. Yeah, is Mark Tullis Bennett's not, not that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not disagreeing with you there. Yeah. What else you got? I, I've got a couple different things that, you know, we talked about something that we're finding, you know, is becoming ever so popular, you know, this kind of offseason and the zero running back theory uh, and not drafting one for the six, first six rounds. Uh, I think that's, two, that's the definition, the zero running well, back People theory. define it differently. Some say it's no running backs in the first three rounds, but, you know, General consensus is zero running backs in the first six rounds. You draft absolutely no running backs, and you take kind of a different position. You know, we'll we'll call it the first five rounds. And I think in standard formats, that's a terrible way to go. But in PPR formats, it's got some... It holds some legs. I agree. Because if you can get, you know, C.J. Spiller, and you can get Gio Bernard... In those, you know, five, six, seven rounds, and you can kind of get those Andre Ellingtons, those guys who are Abdullah, yeah, you know, and you can get, you know, three or four of those guys there. It's got some more juice, absolutely. But you know, in standard formats, I, I'm with you, dog. I highly, highly dislike this strategy. I highly dislike it personally. I'd rather have one top, top running back because you know, as that targets year in review shows, without touches. For a running back, you will not finish as a top running back. Yes. Uh, so you need touch volume. And people generally know at the beginning of the season who is getting that touch volume. Now, half the guys will get injured. We're recognizing that point. But the other half are going to end up as the top 16 or so running backs. As the top 20 running backs. And that's no, just the way it's going to be. They're going to end up in the, the top six, uh, six, 15 to 20 Point getters in the entire league, not just as running backs, but they'll end up with more points than the top wide receivers as well, because that's the way running backs perform when they perform for 16 full games and they they're a top 10 or a top 15 running back. They get you more points than the top receivers do. There's a couple of very rare exceptions, but they get you the most points. Plain and simple. So to completely ignore that for the first six rounds or five rounds, I think is a, in standard formats, terrible concept, I agree. PPR formats, very different story. I, I'm with you on that. Can I ask you guys a question? Will, uh, you know, a guy that maybe just talking about middle, middling of the road kind of guy, is, a, is a Roddy White knowing how many passes that they make to the wide receivers and how that team doesn't necessarily have a, a running game? Is Roddy White, we know that we think Julio Jones, PPR or not, 
is still our number one guy, essentially, or right number one or two, is Roddy White. We know he's old, he's 34. Is he a PPR guy right now that moves up the rankings a little bit for you? I'm not so sure he moves up the rankings, but he definitely doesn't move down for me either. Yeah. I think he's correctly ranked because he's sort of touchdown dependent. He's not going to have a great season without getting you eight to ten touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he's going to, I mean, he's going to get, he still had a lot of catches last year. Yeah, 80? Yeah, he's going to, you see, and he was banged up. And he was banged up. Yeah, I mean, he's still going to be another guy that gets back in the 90s, even, I know he's old, but. Couldn't he just have a, not that many yards? Well, yeah, here's the thing. One of the things is uh, the, the Atlanta Falcons' new offense is more geared towards um, targeting the X, which is going to be Julio Jones. So Roddy isn't going to get as many uh, targets as he used to as well. Um, they used to spread it around a lot more, and Julio would be able to do a lot more with it because of the patterns that he would run and the, and the routes that he would run. Now it's just going to be feed Julio, feed Julio, feed Julio, and Roddy, I don't want to see, he's going to be forgotten. Because he won't be forgotten. Uh, one second. I had Beavis and Butthead right there. Cornholio, Cornholio, Cornholio. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea. Do you know who Beavis and Butthead are? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Like okay. MTV air. Come no, on. That's right. You that was hilarious. That's right. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, but it is. And it's going to be feed Julio that ball yeah. as constant as you can. And Roddy will mix in. And Roddy won't get the same volume that he used to. Um, but and he's Harry older. Douglas is gone. Who's, who's, who's filling that Justin spot? Hardy. It, they got their, I mean, I don't know. So I, it doesn't, I don't think it matters. I think just the fact that. They also gonna, signed Leonard Hankerson. Who's, who's been excellent, according to Dan Quinn, who knows a lot about wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've well, seen Hankerson 6'2", yeah. 220. I mean, he's a big wide receiver who can yeah. actually create mismatches in the slot, so that's not a we've terrible make him some big plays for the Redskins. Yeah, not doubting that at all. What do you got? I mean, I don't know. That's my that's my take okay. on Roddy. And I mean, I'll move on to another guy. I just want to talk about a few of these fringer guys that maybe at one point were PPR dynamos. Uh, and just in general, looking at kind of our, our return on investment piece in a PPR I, I, format. I've got a, I've got one who's another type of that secondary runner dog who you like a lot. Uh, a James White, uh, a team who always passes to the running back. I mean... They have strict roles. They have the passing back, and they have the early down pounder back. And that's LeGarrette Blunt dash Jonas Gray. There's this big, big, I guess, competition going on in New England for whoever's going to get this old Shane Marine role, this old Danny Woodhead role, this old Kevin Folk role, this old, you know, I, I, that's as far as I can go back, as far as I can remember. But I'm sure there was other guys. And you're just thinking about it like somebody's going to do it. James White's a guy in PPR formats who we definitely like. Well, you know, from Facebook.com forward slash Pyromaniac, we've got a great audience there and awesome friggin' people. We love the, the momentum and the questions and all the uh, engagement and socialness there. Abdullah Al-Latif, one of our main men, making it happen, always in there talking about stuff, asking the question, basically PPR thoughts on James White. Uh, as a potential sleeper due to touches in the New England offense and where you would rank him. So while uh, you bring him up, what do you think? I mean, right in our last version of the draft kit, we had him ranked at 39 for, among PPR running backs. Uh, we're a little tempted or we're a little timid on our ranking of him just because 
There's word that Travaris Cadet could be the guy. There's words that Brandon Bolden could be the guy. There's words that, you know, they might throw it to Garrett Blunt. And, you know, it's like, you know, they're throwing they're throwing shade right now. Yeah. And, you know, we're tempering our expectations a little bit. We were higher on uh, James White uh, a little bit last season. Uh, no, I thought he was going to get his crack, man. I was definitely riding that train. I thought he was going to... And just never, never came to fruition. A guy it's, that it's tough for a sat rookie. on my bench for a long time in three leagues. It's tough for a rookie to understand that Patriots offense. It's tough for them to get in the good graces of uh, Bill Belichick. I mean, you look at any of those. He's rookies. got a whole lot of the ball, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 really tough. I mean, you got to be uh, you got to be handpicked basically by Belichick, a la uh, Kembrell Tompkins was basically handpicked by Belichick at the last moment. There, he was undrafted. Um, they gave him a shot because it, Belichick basically gave him a shot, and he ended up overtaking the guys that they ended up dr- actually drafting. And Dobson, and um, uh, who's the other guy? Josh Boyce. Who, 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 yeah, Boyce. Yeah, Boyce. exactly. Um, so I mean, you really—it's—it's it's tough as a rookie to get into that offense. But I do believe this now being his second year, and um, jettisoning uh, another guy who I think is going to be. Also awesome at PPR, and that's a shame for Reen. But with Vereen gone from that Patriots offense, um, yeah, it's it's going to be the James White show in that role, and it's going to be a pretty nice role for him. I I, I love him this year, actually. I'm a big fan. Um, I, I think I brought it to our attention a little bit more uh, a couple months ago. when You I, guys are too low on James White. Yeah, I was. I was a little peeled. <laughs> you, know, you guys did not get this guy. This, this is the guy. Soaker. Yeah, and dude, I, that's my guy. It's my guy. <laughs> you guys know in PPR, like, we're living in your world. Man. You know, I know it's 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 my world. But, all right, but the I do I do look at James as White. I called you today on Facebook. Who what? I called you the tip of the pyro spear today. The tip of the pyro spear. Yeah, someone someone I, we, I posted today about how you've done, and we'll talk about this as a pyro a plug on the side here. But dog uh, just delivered last night our uh, his SOS that was week to week, and I'll let you talk about it a little bit for our draft kit version three. Got to get this draft kit. It's just ridiculous. Version 3 comes out next week. We're on version 2 right now. But the strength of schedule that Dog just put together and uh, some of the sub-minutia that you added to it with that three-game window and all these great things is, uh, Dog, talk about what you've gone through in a way you can uh, about your SOS. Um, Because you showed us us your 16 tabs – of research in a spreadsheet <laughs> that you, you can't even you can't make this stuff up. No, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. But tell us a little bit about your strength of schedule and the week to week and that new wrinkle you added in that we talked about on the podcast last week about finding those three great windows and or you know three games in a row that are great windows for you to think about trades or starting someone and also having those those tough schedules. Right, well, we'll start at the beginning. Right, first of all, the, the strength of schedule tab. Um, has in itself the full year, uh, you know, weeks 1 through 17, strength of schedule. You got the fantasy playoffs weeks 14 through 16, if that's what you play, which we believe you should. Um, but I also include the fantasy playoffs weeks 14 through 17, which some leagues still use that week 17 as, as a playoff week. Um, we have the first half of the season, games 1 through 8. Uh, for each team, the second half of the season, games 9 through 16, which is very useful in terms of uh, understanding when to trade a guy or when to dump a guy. Uh, a, a or guy. knowing if a guy starts hot. if you you got to start hot. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. if you if you if you're going later for a tight end, uh, you know Antonio Gates gets hot early every year, and you, you got to win some games. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, hey, the, I'll tell you right now that the first pick of a lot of drafts this year might be Adrian Peterson. Has the toughest schedule for running backs in the first eight games of the year. Then again, though, you if if you're not souring on him and you don't sell him off, which you definitely should not, you're gonna love him in that second half of the year. The guy's an absolute stud. Uh, he moves up into the upper half uh, of uh, you know running backs for that second half of the year. Anyway, moving on to the week to week schedule, um, and this one's kind of big. Uh, we do the quarterbacks obviously individually, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. But I added a new wrinkle in there this year where I highlighted. Um, segments of the schedule for each team, where it's you know there's a, we have I have red and green. Red is obviously uh, where a guy is in three or more weeks in a row facing the top ten toughest defenses against that position. Um, I'll give an for example right now uh, the Cincinnati Bengals from weeks four through six face uh, one of the top five best defenses in the league for three weeks in a row. For what position? For quarterback. Which means, if you're Top an Andy Dalton fan, which not a lot of people are anymore, <laughs> you're not going to have fun during well, those I'm about to weeks. be an A.J. McCarron fan. You hear about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I did hear about that. Um, or well, how about the Arizona his wife, Cardinals? His wife uh, has got, le- got leaked nude photos. <laughs> <laughs> we can only help. <laughs> um, the Arizona Cardinals for the quarterback position. I am actually somewhat of a huge fan this year of uh, uh, Carson Palmer. Palmer. But, however, there is a stretch during the year between weeks 8 through 14. Grand, there's a bye right in there. 8 through 14, that's seven games, six games and one bye, where he's facing one of the top 10 defenses in the league against the quarterback in a row. If he's hot up until then, sell him. Yeah. Immediately. Get anything that you can because those that's going to be a dismal seven week stretch for you. Huh. Um, it, obviously, it goes on to, to great, you know, stretches. Well, let's not thing. give it all away. Anyway, I'm not let's not give it all away. away. Mo always te- texts me I after podcast like, "Man, you got, we're giving away the draft kit too much." Bye, <laughs> <laughs> romantic Mo. I love you. All but right. the, 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 at the end of the day, the thing's sick. Nice work, dog, Manica. Yeah. I mean, just you're always adding a new wrinkle and a new layer, uh, peeling another layer of the uh, onion and, and or artichoke, uh, and it's just <laughs> awesome, dude. So the version three is going to be dope, ski wopski on that tab for SOS, which is so good. Sometime next week. Sometime next week, Stags. Stags doesn't want me to corner him into a date, which you very <laughs> well said because I owe him a couple pieces to get us there. Uh, uh, Let's talk about one more thing PPR-wise. Uh, I think tight ends are one of the least affected positions by PPR scoring. Uh, I don't think it changes their you know kind of value all that much. I think it might push Greg, El- Greg Olson ahead of Travis Kelsey a bit, like one spot. I think it might push Jason Witten up a couple spots. I think it might push Charles Clay up a couple spots. And Dwayne Allen, of course, uh, down a couple spots. Uh, and guys like you know Jordan Cameron this year. Don't you think he's going to be a little more high volume than he's been for that's Miami? Why, yeah. That's why it's pushing him up a couple spots. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned him? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. 
And then there's a couple guys looking at your playoff beard. Playoff beard for a minute. I got lost. In there, there's a couple guys like the Vernon Davis types and, and probably like an Eric Ebron type who aren't going to catch as many passes. Who are going to have a higher kind of, you know, it's just because these tight ends don't have huge yards per catch numbers like wide receivers. Uh, you know that they need so their volume is pretty much set in you know PPR formats and. You know, standard scoring formats, pretty pretty similar. Um, got anything else, kind of there, dog? Not really. I mean, when it comes to t- to tight ends, um, it's not it, it, PPR definitely affects it a slight bit, but not nearly as much as it does it, the other, does the other positions. I, guys like a, a Jason Witten, you know, or something like that. A guy who you wouldn't even think about at this point with his age and what's going on there. Might not think about drafting in general. You might actually draft in a PPR format. I like Jason Witten a lot for some reason this season. It's mostly because he always season. He it's mostly because he never leaves the field and That's he true. always catches passes. And there's no more to Marco Murray, and uh, they're gonna throw more. And you know he's he's gonna butt be behind. Off. I bet she's gonna work his butt off and losing a little weight and being more of a of a, an athlete kind of guy than a than a blocker. You have a few Spitfire guys, and then we'll move on to our next segment. Um, Lamar Miller, PPR. He was very good in the past game. I think his value is pretty much consistent over both formats. You know, 12 to 15 type running back is where you're going to have to get him. Yeah. What are your thoughts on a, a guy like, um, you know, Jordan Matthews, PPR? Um, I. You know what? We're it's, so high on him that it's hard to bump him up anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you. I don't know if you could bump him up, um, but I mean, we're high on him in the first place. Uh, it, it's obviously it's high volume offense, so any of those guys on on Philly are going to do well for you. I think Aguilar is going to be uh, a really nice PPR yeah. guy to get as well. I mean, be, being a rookie, you know, it's it's tough taking chances on those rookies there, but I mean, Jesus, in, in that offense, man, it's it's tough not to like a guy like that. Calvin Johnson or Golden Tate is, uh, you know, Tate had a lot of catches and a lot of targets last year. What can uh, fantasy owners expect from those guys? Uh, I, I, I think it's an easy call. I think if if uh, Johnson, if Calvin is Megatron, if Megatron is healthy, which I, I'm starting to switch my mind on this year. I, I think he's been, he's had his injuries over the past couple of years, and you kind of saw them coming. Um I think he's worked his ass off to to stay in prime shape this this, this off season. I don't think he uh, he's that one of those type of guys who really takes pride in being the best at his position, and um, I, I think that he's done enough this off season to show me that he's he, he's going to be back amongst those top uh, that the elite. I really thought he was going to be out of the top ten last year, and he was because of the injuries. I think he jumps back up into the top five again this year, which pushes Tate down. Because you saw that when Calvin was in there, Tate didn't do nearly as much as he did when Calvin wasn't in there. But and Calvin's, and Calvin's a middle of the second round kind of guy right now. So finally, after five years of him being the wide receiver that was taken in the first round, in most cases, maybe very early in the second round, but I don't think I was in any league that that was happening. Um, he's going to bring, I think he he's, brings he's, first he's, round. He finally gets the bat. He's kindly, finally a value pick. 
And I, I like I like your call. I think he's gonna be doing less Acura commercials and less worrying less about Nike and P, uh, P Diddy and uh, his own little line of stuff because right when he got in the limelight and everything turned in and you know this is just what happens. Yeah, I think he was on the cover of Madden. Like I think that just kind of everything just like kind of didn't work out for him from a health standpoint. I think he's all football right now. He's got he's got you know another five years of excellence in him. And uh, he'll make the most of it. And now he's actually a not. You're not stretching on a wide receiver. I agree. So I still think Golden Tate's a solid top. He's a wide receiver two in PPR formats, no doubt. He finished last season as wide receiver eleven. Didn't have a game with less than uh, seven and a half fantasy points, even when Calvin Johnson was out in PPR formats. Uh, but besides that, he had just three games with under uh, double digit scoring. Points in PPR formats, so he's going to be a consistent type performer. But what he did in those games that Calvin Johnson was out, so if you expect Calvin Johnson to miss a couple of games, you know you bump up Golden Tate a little bit more. Last question, and then we'll move on to power and numbers. Unless you guys have anything more, uh, Cole Beasley in a PPR format is he now going to? It hasn't really happened in his career so far, but he obviously had his best year last year. Is that a guy like an Edelman that can be a PPR Maven or not at all? A late, a late, you know, a later round, teen round kind of pick that in a PPR can really help you or not? I yeah, I, I, I actually think it does a little bit. Um, I. I well, listen. Terrence Williams is anti PPR. He is. So, he is, he is so Cole Beasley, yeah. he really Cole Beasley is. has the to be the PPR guy, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that Beasley has more targets than Williams at the end of the year. I think he has more catches than Williams at the end of the year. Obviously, I don't think he's going to have more yards. I don't think he's going to have more touchdowns. Yeah. But I think it, when it comes down to it, if you're talking PPR, it helps you out uh, to a point. Um, he's going to have to make a real difference. He's going to have to have at least five or six touchdowns. Um, if he's down in the Edelman range where he has only two or three touchdowns, he's not going to have Edelman type catches where I don't think it helps you all that much. Yeah. But if he if he can put up five, six, seven touchdowns, something like that, which is possible, Romo seemed to really take a liking to him towards the end of the year there. Um, yeah, he could definitely help you out as a late a later round guy that not a lot of people are targeting. Yeah. Well, one of the best guys in PPR history, an undrafted player, Wes Welker, get an opportunity. Will he be, play, will he be playing this year and getting some volume, get, actually being in the slot this year? What are your thoughts on Wes Welker, free agent right now? Yes. What do you think? I, I say yes. I, I, and the reason why I say yes is because um, there are two months, two and a half months more worth of injuries that are going to happen. Yeah. And there's going to be teams that are clamoring for a uh, a, a veteran, proven slot-type receiver that can uh, grab some balls for him and at least be a mentor or somebody who steadies the ship. So, uh, yes, Welker's going to get a chance. And the fact that he's still working hard and he's still trying to latch on with the team, at least he's dedicated and I see, I see it happening. Yeah, I see him latching on somewhere for sure. I just can't name a team that he fits with right now. But, yeah, as an injury happens... I think there's definitely a shot. Why are you such a hater on ball grabbers? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's go to segment number two. Good times, good information, guys. Um, you know, at the end of the day, PPR is a great format and an interesting thing to heighten and add a different element to fantasy football. Bell it really, it really right, does. 
It really does change. <laughs> it's kind of hot here. I just did it. It is. It's really hot here. My beard's sweating like crazy. Oh, wait. Hold on. Um, <laughs> sorry. Someone's walking walking the dog. She's hot, Smoke too. Show? She's basically... She's not smoking, but she's not wearing much clothes. Oh. Uh, how for a dollar summer in Chicago. Oh, God. Good times. I love it. I just love being out of Chibernation Big so time. much. All right. Our next segment, segment two. Before we get into it, it is going to be about power in numbers. It's uh, an adage and a, and, a, and a motto that we've really followed over the last two, three years where you just gotta got to do be cognizant of taking players early, but even maybe more importantly later in middle. Uh, take players on the middle and end rounds that are on good teams. So if injuries happen and the opportunity knocks, that they're on a team that's going to score a lot of uh, touchdowns, get a lot of yards, there's a lot of opportunity. So power numbers is, is basically one of the many cogs in the wheel that we consider when we're making our tiers and firing it up. So what do you guys, uh, you know, I, I, where, where do we want to start with this? I, I, I don't really know. <laughs> let, me just, let me redefine something real quick. It's not so much good teams. As it is high-powered offenses or um, fantasy high, football, high, yeah, high-powered fantasy type yeah. teams. Because I mean, when we're talking about the, the power numbers, we're looking at the top sixty uh, fantasy scores last year. Sands quarterbacks, no, not quarterbacks. Yeah, and I want you at, during this segment to air your grievances on the, the thing we talked about after yeah, we'll, doing we'll, the yeah. Okay, I so I, I, want, I definitely I will, I will. love that point. Okay, but this is the top 60 players scoring-wise, fa- fantasy scoring-wise, that are not quarterbacks. The reason why we exclude the quarterbacks in this situation because is because of the top 60 scoring players, um, if you include the quarterbacks, 26 of them are, co- 26 are quarterbacks. And you're talking Geno Smith as one of them. So it, the question is, is, like when it comes to fantasy, would you rather have Geno Smith, who is a top 60 type guy, or uh, Jamal Charles, basically? Which is where they were, even you know, in terms of scoring last year. Because quarterbacks just score so much more. They have so much more opportunity to score points. So we're excluding the quarterbacks in this situation just to give a better view of what it takes uh, of what we're talking about in terms of running backs, wide receivers, and, and tight ends. All right, so in these top 60, there are some powerhouses. There are definitely some certain teams that you want to be looking at um, in, in terms of guys that you want to get, not just in those first few rounds, because in the first couple few rounds, there are the studs. The studs can be on any team. Uh, it could be uh, a guy... Like the Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks had one guy in the top 60 last year. Obviously not including Russell Wilson. And that was Marshawn Lynch. But that's it. And that team itself is not going to be a powerhouse when it comes to fantasy. But you want your Marshawn Lynch. Of course. Uh, A team like the Chiefs only had one guy in the top 60. And obviously that was Jamal Charles. You don't want any of those other guys, and they're not a powerhouse team when it comes to the teams that we're talking about here, but you want your Jamal Charles, of course. So who this affects mostly are the guys after round four, three or four, I would say, because in those top couple of rounds, you know who you're getting there. It doesn't matter what team they're on. They're studs no matter what. 
the guys who it affects are the, are the second and third guys on the team, such as a team like the Broncos, who have um, C.J. Anderson and uh, Emmanuel Sanders and DeMar- uh, Demarius Thomas, and last year, of course, J- Julius uh, Thomas was also on that list. They had the most of any of the top, uh, uh, top teams in the league. They had four guys in the top 60. No other team had four guys in the top And we could have told you that last season. And we could have told you that going into the season. That that was they were one of the elite offenses. We wouldn't have told you it was C.J. Anderson. We would have told you it was one of the running backs. Yeah, yeah it was a running back. But we wouldn't have told you C.J. Anderson. But they, you, we knew that they were going to be a powerhouse fantasy-wise. Another team, simply because the offense they ran, a la Mark Tressman, was the Chicago Bears. You know, the Bears had three guys in the top 60 of fantasy last year. You had your Forte. You had your uh, Alshon. Alshon Jeffrey, and the other guy actually, I think, was Bennett. I don't think it was Marshall because Marshall got injured. It was it was Martellus Bennett, mm-hmm. but Marshall, I'm sure, would have been up there if he didn't get injured. And that's another team that, because of that Tressman offense, you have to consider. That's where the power numbers make sense, and that's where you have to understand in those later rounds. Obviously. Forte would have been taken in the top bunch there, as would have probably Marshall, but Martellus Bennett. Uh, Jeffrey might have been taken a little bit later. He was still a top uh, top type of wide yeah, receiver. Yeah, top 36. But you still have to, when it comes to that Tressman offense, you have to understand that those guys, like I was talking about about 20, 20 minutes ago or something like that, when it came to the Brashad Perriman, in that type of offense, in the Tressman it offense. Like, it was more like 11. 11 minutes ago? Was it? I, I thought it was more like 17 to 20. I, I gave 20 as a round number. I think it was maybe 17 minutes ago. But anyway, it, it, when it comes to that Tressman offense, it's high volume. It's high, it, There's going to be fancy points scored in that offense. That's why I believe in the Baltimore Ravens this year. That's why I believe that you should be targeting guys like a pyramid. Like uh, Forsett, obviously, I think he's not going to be a top-tier running back, but he's somebody that you kind of want on that team. Buck Allen, even as the backup running back, isn't a bad call right there. Steve Smith should be there. Whoever ends up winning that tight end job, or, or, or if Dennis Pitt ends up coming back and stays still, you know, stays steady and doesn't get injured, he's a guy to stay still. Stay, I don't know. Stay, <laughs> it's, 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 his hip stays in place, basically. You know, do even, <laughs> if, if he stops moving, <laughs> in which case he gets injured. He's a guy to target, but I'm telling you that Tressman directs one of those type of offenses. The Eagles, with Chip Kelly, obviously they were one of the top guys, uh, top teams as well. They had three guys in the top uh, in the top sixty, and there's not a lot of those teams. So these are the type of teams that you want to target with the high-powered offenses, the high-volume offenses, the teams that run a ton of plays with their uh, no huddle and whatnot. That's what generates fantasy points, and those are the type of Teams and players that you want to target in the rounds four, five through ten or twelve. Yeah, let's talk about you know the teams with the most. Of course, there's the Broncos with four. There's the Bears with three. The Eagles with three. The Falcons with three. Uh, the Lions with three. The Packers with three. The Panthers with three. Patriots with three. And the Ravens with three. And you know those are all the teams that had three kind of guys. And that's what nine teams just off the top of my head. Uh, quick count. Nine. Okay, so that's 27 of the top 60 players. So almost half of the top 60 players... 28, actually, because Broncos had four. Okay. Uh, 28 players. Almost half the players in this kind of 
you know, that are going to end up as the best scorers are going to come from the 10% offense. It's kind of like this 80-20% rule in sales and marketing. You know, 80% of your business is going to come from 20% of your clients, and then the other 80% of your uh, the other 20% of your business is going to come from 80% of your clients. Yeah. It's just how it's kind of going to be. The Randy the, ratio. <laughs> the elite, <laughs> the elite <laughs> offenses are going to produce the most fantasy players, and they all sort of stick together. And when there's a guy kind of coming into an elite offense, uh, you know, you got to keep an eye out when there's a guy like, hey, DeMarco Murray might be leaving one of the uh, lower-ranked offenses a little bit and leaving a more elite offense. you got to like things like that. Like last year when Emmanuel Sanders joined the Broncos and, you know, things along those lines. Or a, a Jeremy Macklin leaving the leaving Eagles an elite and going offense. to the Chiefs. Believe me, I, I'm telling you right now, I know that there's other guys out there who don't believe. He's not going to be one of those top 60. He is not going to be one of those top 60 this year. The Chiefs' offense doesn't allow for it. They just won't allow for it. The Eagles did. I love Macklin. I'm a huge fan of Macklin. He's got my namesake. Uh, but I'm telling you, he's not going to be elite this year. But that's my namesake. But the first time, I'm like, your name's not Macklin. Oh wait, he's got another name. Too. <laughs> this is going well. I got another, it was Dogmatica. I, I forgot your first name. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you have to be wary of those situations. Guys coming into elite offense, as you're saying, coming into elite offenses and leaving elite offenses for lesser offenses. Such Marshall as. to the Jets, Eric Decker to the Jets last season. Yep, those kind of examples are just rampant. And, you know, what is there, like seven or eight players, eh, maybe like ten players in the top ten who, uh, in the top 60, excuse me, who left their offense and ended up with a different one. Uh, so you got to take into account those kind of guys when projecting their numbers. They're just not going to be the same. Uh, some might be better because they ended up in better situations. Some are probably worse because they ended up in worse situations like Sean McCoy uh, and other guys like that. Uh you know, Frank Gore leaving the 49ers, going to an elite offense in the Colts. While the Colts only had two that guys in the top up my list. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm solid on Frank Gore. Frank Gore, as your running back too, is pretty much, as long as you can get a solid guy, pretty much as good as it gets. I love it. I mean, pretty much as good as it gets. Yeah. If he can catch you're drafting like wide receiver in between, of course. No, of course. no, I'm not saying he's in the second round. You're able to get this guy in the fifth, fourth, fifth round. And that is great time. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. If he can catch passes uh, a lot of the way he used to back in the day with the 49ers, if he can rejuvenate himself and catch passes in that offense and take some of that Ahmad Bradshaw yeah. love that was there last yeah. year, forget about it. This guy's top ten. Yeah. If, if you can no guarantee doubt. that I get... Uh, you know, Frank Gore in the fourth round. I would gladly take Gronk in the first. You know, Demarius in the or one of the top running backs in the second, and then a guy, one of the top receivers in the third, and kind of just do it like that. Absolutely. If I'm guaranteed to have Gore in the fourth, but because he just sort of, he feel, I feel like he stabilizes my roster in a, a lot of different ways. That's kind of hard to explain. I like the idea, and I did this in our mock. I got Le'Veon Bell in the first round, then went for. Got kind of lucky. It probably wouldn't happen in another league. The homer went for uh, 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 the guy on Texans, but I got uh, late in, the, in that. Uh, oh, Calvin the, Johnson. He, no, ho, no, Hopkins. Uh, but I was able to get after that pick. Um, Calvin. Calvin. 
And then I, I, I'm space. Uh, then my next. Then you got Mike Evans. Yes, yeah, Evans, who I, that was another pick that was like, you know what? I actually had Cooks higher on my tiers. I thought maybe I'd be able to get him. He went four picks yeah, later. You would never get the team that you drafted. No doubt. No, I'll I agree. tell you that. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I don't <laughs> disagree with like, that. I don't no. disagree with that. That's it. I don't disagree. But following it up and having that RB2 with Gore was just like, oh my God, get a good running back. Get Gore a little bit later and fill that with your wide receiver love. Not saying I would get that team at all. I had but the next pick. It felt, it I got, felt I good. I got Gore. That was I, I was sure that I was getting Gore at that next pick, and you took him right before me. And I, I and I moved mind. and I moved on my tears, and I was just like, you know what? He's just moving up. There's just I love. I, I'm a 49er fan, so I've always loved his game. He's always been the head of the honcho. He's been a leader. He's, he plays every game. I mean. What did we say? He's had 1,000 yards, 7 out of last eight, yeah. or his 8 of last The, the, the thing is, is that he's, the reason why he's fallen so far uh, in, on most people's boards and stuff Age? like that is because, yeah, with the 49ers, he has been decreasing. You know, his, his workload's been decreasing, his effectability has been uh, decreasing, and the 49ers' offense just doesn't allow for that much. You put him in a Colts offense like this, fucking forget about it. It's the same thing with an Andre Johnson. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Andre Johnson going to that off. I mean, you got to be kidding me. He's going to be rejuvenated as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and, I mean, he said today, he's like, I got the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, I got the best quarterback I've easily ever played with. Oh my god. Oh my god. What? what oh, Count Shakula. Oh my god. Yeah, Count Shakula. Yeah, yeah, nobody knows. His quarter, but his quarterback was Schaub. Oh, yeah. Now he's got Luck. Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub to Andrew Luck. Good God. Good where, Lord. Where's those, like, little, uh, you know, those little fraction or, it's like little Pac-Man ratios, whatever they call them. You need, like, 18 of those to get to Matt Schaub from <laughs> Andrew Luck. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> You know what I need 18 of more of? Oh, A foul. No. There it is. All right, so, um... Houdini's gone, so we don't have our so good. It touches the lips, or some sort of uh, so audio. We're sorry, audience. Oh, and that dress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that will be our audio the next time uh, for next week's podcast with Houdini. It's going to be airplane. Airplane, so good. good. God, that movie's the best. All right, right I mean, some of you youngsters out there probably haven't even heard of it. Go watch it right now. You'll be laughing until you listen to our next podcast. <laughs> Z-Plane, Z-Plane. Oh, is that a different thing? <laughs> totally different. By the way, I'm going to go back about... like Ricardo Montemar. I'm going to go back about 40 minutes and say right now, I think one of the biggest PPR giants next year. And this is going to... I honestly think that it's possible he's a top eight wide Andre. receiver. Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Brandon Cooks. It would not shock me if that guy caught 100 balls this season yeah. and was a PPR monster. By the time he got injured, he was the 22nd receiver at the time he got injured in PPR formats. I think he could take that next step. I think he had what? But he was the most of all the rookies. He had 52 catches. Yeah. 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 He was up like he was up like five Ten. or six. Yeah, what, injured week nine? That point. Yeah, I think we... Nine or ten. Yeah, nine or ten, whatever. 52 catches by that point as a rookie. And he's, and, and he's having a terrible season. And At now they don't have Graham? Bet all his money on him. Now they don't have Graham anymore? And, and now they... Well, he was having a great season man? after week four. Stills? And he was also rushing the ball. And I really like the things he did running the yeah, ball. Because he provided another hundred or so yards for you rushing. And I think it was what... A lot of it came in the first couple weeks, and then they kind of changed the role. But I definitely... No matter what, I I'll, I'll really like Cooks. I'm just hoping we don't get people who... He, no, but he's going to... Cooks is going to be going high. 
That's just I'm something saying I know. should. I know. He's going to be, he's gonna be going he pretty should. high in drafts. I just, I just know it. Him and Evans are going to be going high. Watkins as well. So, again, I love him, and I don't think he's going to be on my team, but I don't necessarily think you're going to get him at a, at a bargain rate, and it's going to be like he'll, he'll pay off. But it's not going to be a value pick where you're getting him or anything in the, we'll put in, it, we'll in, put the it this in the fourth way. or even the fifth. Maybe you get him in the fourth, but he's not lasting the wide be the receiver fifth or sixth. sixteen. Sixteen player thirty nine overall and on Yahoo and on Fantasy Pros. In our mock draft, he was taking it in the third round as the thirteenth receiver ahead of guys like Aaron Foster, ahead of T. Y. Hilton. Which was a great pick, that Foster pick. Yeah, I was, was gonna take. I was. I, I drunk drafted of, uh, Evans, and I didn't take Foster, and I took Alshon Jeffrey over it. Schedule Foster bested out there. I'm, I'm gonna Cooks keep, went ahead of Emmanuel Sanders. Went ahead I, of Gore, I like obviously. I like that one. Yeah, I like him ahead of Emmanuel Sanders for sure. I do too. A bit, well, I a took Evans, and in hindsight, I love Evans because I love what Winston's gonna be doing, locking in on him. But I. Go with the guys you love. I was a little. I thought Cooks might slip a little bit. I just played that hype role, and Cooks won four picks later. That was one of those things that I was bummed out about. I'd rather have Cooks on my team this year than Evans. I just would. Me too. Me too. I, I can't wait to actually be done with these this next year's. <laughs> I'm extremely excited. Yeah. Uh, I plan on having them done for you tomorrow. Um, that's my All plan. Right. <laughs> anyway, back to power numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Thanks so, for the in-show yeah. update. Yeah. <laughs> and, and today we are serving... What, what's on your plate today, dog? <laughs> Let all our listeners know. Group base camp, pyromaniac, dogmaticus to-dos. I'll be taking a shit at 7.30 sharp tomorrow. If these people even knew how many emails and posts and projects we have on base camp and how oh, many yeah. emails and how many to-dos we put out, they would be like... Oh my God! We respect all you guys so much because you know how much hard work we put into this, but it's even more than you think. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, power right, numbers. Let's, let's talk about some power numbers. Here's what I'll do: I'll give Houdini, who wasn't able to be here, and obviously this is his piece and his namesake. Um, you know, something that suits really brought to the fray. Amen to use suits. Uh, it was a good, great, great concept, and you did it for the first couple of years, and now we've had to kind of Houdini take it over. Um, along with some help from all of us, but uh, some in- some interesting information is in the power and numbers world is wide receivers two, wide receiver twos that uh, on teams on, on actual teams on teams uh, based on points scored, and you got Randall Cobb's wide receiver two, and he had two hundred points. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had one hundred ninety eight last year. He's a wide receiver two. This is why I asked the question earlier. Golden Tate had more points than Calvin Johnson last year. Only three more, based on standard scoring that we do from our Pyro FF Today thing. We love that. We love your site, guys. Uh, but in general, there's there's other there's a, I think more telling than that is uh, you know is looking at wide receiver one on bad teams, and some of the guys there are Kendall Wright had only at 110 points, where you look at uh, you know, Stevie, Steve Smith, Stevie Fiss had 140 points on a, on a what we think is going to be a much better team with Tressman. Uh, Kenner Wright had 110. That, that's imagine he poor guy went to the wrong team. But uh, James Jones had 100 points on a crap team. Hearns, your boy that you've mentioned on the last few pot, 103 points on bad teams. 
Uh, and Dwayne Bow, who moves over to, he was the number one guy and at 75.4 points. Gee, I wonder why you think that uh, Jeremy Macklin's not going to finish in, yeah, in, in, in the top 60. It's, it's just it's these, fact. It's these, this research that we do year after year proves certain things. And Please I got to go bet. with it. I got to bet. <laughs> I got to go with it. What we've seen proven over these over the years, the numbers just they keep repeating themselves. If you think that Macklin is going to be a top guy this year because of what you saw last year, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Look at where he's going. Look at that offense that they run in Kansas City, and you tell me that he's really going to be a, an elite receiver. I, believe me, he's going to go. I'm saying wide receiver three. 15 receivers before I would take him. Yeah. 15. And, and I shit you not. And I love him. I'm a huge fan of Mac. Yeah, no, you're so are fan. you. Yeah, You've yeah, always yeah, been yeah. a huge I'm fan of Mac. Fan. But I agree with you. And the one thing I will say is even in that mock and what I'm seeing is people are understanding that. I think he is a guy that's lingering around a while and you're just almost – I agree with you wholeheartedly. But at some point, if he is the best wide receiver on the board, even though the situation kind of sucks – there might be in some leagues a one opportunity that I'll say, you know what? Hopefully, uh, Alex Smith gets hurt and they put someone else in. But <laughs> 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 well, you want to know something crazy? And looking at this uh, thing that Houdini sent me is Andre Johnson had 150 points last year. 150. We just said that Cobb, who we love, had 200 points. Yeah. Andre Johnson with Andrew Luck. Andre Johnson in a PPR and going back to our first segment and the more catches he's going to have. If he had 150 points last year, is that not right? No. I'm looking at this text. It says 150.6 points. Andre Johnson, wide receiver twos. Am I wrong? I don't think that number's correct. Thanks, Houdini. Thanks a lot. I'm really glad. Yeah. I'm really glad you said print this out and use it on the no, podcast. DeAndre Hopkins had uh, 155 Oh, yes. Okay. So that's a mistake. Thanks, Dean. You're awesome. Yeah, no, but Andre, jo- Andre Johnson had 105. He probably switched to zero. On the there point. you go. 105.6. Yeah. And he was the second receiver. Uh, Did I say 150 It says 150.6. Yeah, it's 105.6. Right okay. I'm not dyslexic. Um, yeah, okay. But he but, did have 85 catches for 936 oh, yeah. yards. It's not like he was lacking for catches. Yeah. It's just that offense is very different. He still didn't score the touchdowns and DeAndre Hopkins. That's why this number bounced out of me. I'm like, Jesus, in that system, and knowing he was, he was down. His touchdowns are the only thing that you know, had you concerned. And he's definitely going to well, get his which yards, always, yards per catch. Well, he's always been a, never been a Dude, touchdown that, guy. Dude, that ever. yards yeah. per catch that he had last year, I mean, even as somewhat possession as he's been over his career – 11 yards per catch, the lowest he had ever, I mean... What's his career, though? Like 12, 12, 13, 12, 13, 2007, 12. starting from 2007, 14.2, 13.7, 15.5, 14.1, 14.9, 14.3. Last two years have been 12.9 and then down to 11. More impressive than I thought. Yeah, much <laughs> much more impressive than you would think. And he was also doing that on 100 plus catches. So. Yeah, and he was all yeah exactly. He was doing that on 100 plus catches. So you put him in there with Andrew Luck. Fucking forget about it, dude. I'm forget sorry, about especially it. when you got uh, Hilton to take away, uh, you know, uh, some pressure off of him. The two tight ends that you got, uh, the the running backs that you got there with Gordon. I mean, even a Dante Moncrief is gonna take away some of the pressure from. So, I, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Andre Johnson this year. Um, 
What do you got? I'm thinking the thing that is, is most important to me when it comes to power numbers is the fact that you remember how we were on our, our video cast earlier, you said of tears, that you wanted to highlight guys that were on power numbers teams. Yes. And that's a new thing that I want to bring into this podcast that I thought was brilliant from the from that video is the fact that you know what? When you're doing your tears, just doing a slight coloration, not not, you know, let's say it's 25% fill rate or opacity within, you know, your cell in Excel for your tears. Highlight the guys that are on the high-powered, high-scoring offense. And there is parity. It changes from year to year. So don't just sit, look at last year's number and say, these are the best teams because they're going to change. The 49ers, three years ago, were one of the best fantasy teams. The last two years, they've been terrible. Yeah. Uh, you know, other teams come into the fray that are, that are better now than they were uh, then. So take the numbers and look at last year's best powerhouse teams. Project who you think might fall in the mix and might, who might fall out. But in your tiers, highlight players that are on those teams that are high-powered. So that if you're sitting around and in the draft, you're willing to... You want to get a position, but maybe you need something else. Maybe you look at your tiers and there's seven uh, running backs ahead of a running back that you have in tier six that you have highlighted. And you're like, you know what? I really like this offensive team. And this guy might be better, but he's friggin'. It's, 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 it's a guy on, the, on Cleveland instead of another guy that he might even be a backup on a better team. Uh, going back to that, you know, no, no uh, running back early rule. Uh, and just, I thought that was such a smart idea where just highlight guys that are on these power and numbers teams as a sub- Demarcation and a classification and a sub minutia thing that you do in your tiers is really smart because there's nothing worse than having the best team with the most highly drafted, highly paid, highly everything. You know, the people that are on the cover of the tops uh, cards, the people that are in the direct TV banner at the bars, but they're on a team that just cannot score. They're on a team that has a rookie or a very young quarterback and they cannot get yards. They can't mount drives. They can't get across the 50-yard line. They can't score points. Make sure that you're not drafting the best team on fantasy uh, on fantasy ir- irrelevant NFL teams. Agreed. Agreed. And that's that, that's kind of when you look at guys like um, I hate to say it, somebody like um, a Bishop Sankey. He may be a oh. starter. He, he may be the starter for a team. But just because he's a starter doesn't make him a viable fantasy starter for you. Yeah. He's on Tennessee. And Tennessee's offense is abysmal at this point. And granted, I think it's going to be on the up and up soon with Mariota there. Uh, Mariota is definitely the real deal. Yeah. That kid That kid has yeah. a lot going for him. And the, the progression of, of his game... And their offense with him over the next couple few years is going to be interesting to watch. But it's still Tennessee right now. And it's still Wisenhunt right now. And it's still a bad offense right now. Until that gets to the point where they're using Mariota correctly and get a different offensive coordinator in there to use his strengths correctly. You can't draft a guy like a Bishop Sankey over a guy, say, like um, around the same spot. Even though he's not the, the starter, I would say I would rather take Shane Vereen. Being in the Giants right now and how up and up and no huddle they are and pass volume 
and no huddle volume they are at this point. I'm a huge fan of what Vereen could do for that offense. I took Sankey in the 11th round, I think, in our mock. And I think I got, Vereen, far, I got Vereen a round later. It was by far my least favorite pick when it came out. Yeah, it's just like... And I had, had a nice run, really, about three picks in a row, and then I took him. Oh, he's a running back one, and I was like, Ugh. God, yeah, he's like one of the last starting running backs in the league. Still doesn't matter, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It exactly. doesn't matter. It, and it, on a team like Tennessee, it doesn't matter. Um, it's the same thing with. I mean, there's, there's uh, when you go back to the power numbers, uh, right there. There's a few teams that actually had zero, zero guys at all um, in the top sixty. Uh, Tennessee was one of them. Oakland happened to be one of them. Jacksonville was one of them. And Cleveland was one of them. Uh, it's kind of surprising with a couple of those teams, actually. You would have thought that maybe um, either Crowell or Terrence or, or West or whatever maybe did something for the Browns. But no, neither of them were there. Uh, maybe you would have thought Sankey was there or something. But he, even, even then, Kendall Wright wasn't in the top 60. When you look at stuff like that, you got to understand, listen, a, a guy like a Shane Vereen actually could score in top 60 numbers and a guy like Bishop Sankey probably won't. You know one of the beautiful things that I think in and I want to, after I mention this I want to hear your point on some of the things that you thought we should do to enhance yeah, yeah. this piece uh, after I make this point but one of the beautiful things that Houdini did is that he did do the players in the top 60 but also what he did is players in the top 50, players in the top 40, yeah. players in the top 30, 20, 10 and I think that kind of breakdown is awesome where at the higher end of the rounds where you're, you're, you're kind of building your tiers and thinking about who you're going after, you really think about, you know, let, let, me, just, let me just point this out. Players in the top ten, the Packers had two of them. Yeah. that's and, and The Steelers had two of them. Strangely, the Steelers only had two in the top 60. And then and they two were in, both the, top in 10. the top ten. So think about that. So when you're sitting there in those first two, three rounds... And, you know, obviously we're not telling you to draft. Uh, uh, um, well, yeah, we are, actually. I'm sorry. I, I, these aren't quarterbacks. You've got a, a Bell and you've got Antonio Brown rocking it in the top ten from the same team. Packers, that would be, is it uh, Jordy and, and, and Lacey? Or in, is- in the top ten? Yes, it was Jordy and Lacey. And um, I believe Cobb was just outside that uh, red run. What I think he was... They're the only ones that had three players. Yeah, in the Lacey top was seven, uh, Nelson was eight, and then Cobb was a top twenty guy. I can't remember where he finished in top twenty. The other team that had two guys in the top ten, Cowboys with Dez and Demarco, were both also the only two in the top sixty on the whole team. God, again, crazy. It's, it's crazy. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I love the way you look at that stuff, man. It's amazing. I think that's the best thing about our Pyro podcast is the, is listening to you guys and listening to you in the way that. My mind would never even look at that. Yeah, top 10, but also in the top 60, it's the same two guys. So that's so smart. Uh, Bears had one. Broncos had one. Seahawks had one in the top 10, and so did the Texans. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty impressive to look. And there's a piece up right now on our site, and it's called uh, you know, the Power in Numbers 2014 Review. It's, I think, the first... Uh, no, it's, I think it's the second story on our site right now. Scroll down, 
check it out in our main marquee, but read it. It's amazing. It's a telling tale. The chart that I'm going off right now and speaking of is fully there in the piece, pyromaniac.com. And I, I just think it, it, it's an awesome piece to show you the top 60 guys, show how, who falls within the uh, top 10 per team, and just making sure that you go after guys in the right world and are on the right teams so that you don't have the best player on the team that doesn't score fantasy points. Dog, now, I want okay, do your yeah, thing, no. and then I'd love to hear what you think we need to do to do that kind of dive, deeper dive on this piece. Yeah, and I, I think that, uh, listen, I, I think Houdini was right along the exact line that he should be going with this. But I think what it needs to be expanded to is... And we will. Yeah, I, he expanded the top 60 one way. He went to top 50, top 40, top 30, top 20, and top 10. I think it needs to be expanded the other way. Yeah. Because that's where the... I think the power numbers is helps you more in the later rounds totally. than it does in the early rounds. Like I was saying earlier, the early rounds, you know what you're going for. It doesn't matter almost what team they're on. Like we said, two of the top 10 guys uh, of, of, you know, were Cowboys, Steelers, and Packers, yet... The, the Steelers and Cowboys, they only had two guys in the entire team. So they were the top 60. They're not a power and numbers team. They've got two awesome players. Too. That's it. Exactly. But you expand that to top 70, 80, or 90, and I think you need to do that in terms of, we need to do that in terms of how many teams are drafting. Because if you have 10 teams in your league, I think it's a, this is effective up until round 10, 11, 12. You take away... Yeah. 10 quarterbacks. Let's say every team has a quarterback by round 10. Okay? So if every team has a quarterback by round 10, that means everybody else, they also have nine other players on their team. Let's, if you do it through round 10 right there, we should go to at least 90 players. Because we're not including quarterbacks in the, in the top uh, 90 power numbers because we all know that they score more than everybody else. I explained that earlier. Yeah. Uh, but the top 90 otherwise... Should be, I guess, I don't know, maybe or maybe not, but those would legitimately be if you were to do a draft basic, based explicitly on how many points they scored last year, those top 90 players, you want to know where those teams came, you know, where they came from, what teams they came from. Yeah. Why would you want those specific players or at least the players who moved into their position and their situation? I think we need to go deeper in terms of the amount of players that we're ranking because the, the next 30, next 30 players. It's late. The value's higher later, yeah. like you said. The next 30 players, uh, 60 through 90, those may be the most important players in the entire draft that you end up getting in rounds 8 through 13 because other people who aren't paying attention to this site and aren't paying attention to this type of stuff aren't looking at that. And they aren't going to draft those type of players. They're going to draft, you know, uh, their backup QBs. or They're going to draft all sorts of weird stuff. When you know... That you got to get the power numbers. You got to get those guys on the teams that score the most fantasy points. They're the guys who could turn it around for you. Uh, one injury, and maybe they are a top ten player. You, well, you, you remember our whole thing, and you mentioned on the video cast again, and I'm going to keep beating it down because I think those video casts are very awesome and informative. Was the fact that in tears, a concept that I, I, you and I have, have loved is pitting these guys up against each other in your tears. Yeah. Where you're looking at the numbers and the minutia details, that top ten or that bottom nine, you know, ninety. Yeah. It's it's that. A or B guy, where you're sitting and you're deciphering your tears and you're deciding and setting your plan before you go into drafts and saying, 
it's those these kind of things. The power of numbers. If, if if my choice right now, deep, 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 and I need a wide receiver, and it's going to be um, the kid from it, uh, uh, the kid from Cody, the kid from uh, Indiana on on the Broncos. Uh, yeah, Latimer. Uh, Latimer. It is Cody Latimer, or it's. Uh, the latest, greatest player, uh, I'm going to space it, but let's say it's a second-year guy that's on a shitbox team. Um, let's say Stedman Bailey or Stedman something. Stedman Bailey. Stedman Bailey on the Rams, and you're sitting there, and Stedman had more points than Cody last year, but for yeah. sure. Things are probably looking up for him in offseason, and you know. But you just look at that, apples to oranges are... In, in that case, it's apples to apples. But when you really think of, do you the, want the, the guy on? It is apples to oranges. Well, the, the apple is going to be the team that's actually going to score you some touchdowns, get some drives, have some yards, and the uh, and you, the oranges. It's going to be a lot of talent, but without the guy that can get you the ball, without the system that works for your position, and you can't sustain drives. And if you've got the best player on the team that can't sustain drives versus. The fourth guy, the third guy. What if? Third guy or fourth guy, and I'm talking deep in rounds, but what if there's an injury? What if there's something, a trade? What if it is? Wow. I want the guy in the Broncos. I want the guy in the Broncos. It's the same thing. I'll even put it next to each other. Like, I got these guys somewhat close to each other in the tiers, but I actually have Cody Latimer ahead of Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin, who is probably the number one. You were looking at he was looking at me just saying so you know, I was like I got him ahead of Doug Baldman. Yeah. Basically, we're about to say I got him ahead of Doug Baldman. I got I got ahead of a Derek Baldman. I mean, wait, Derek. what? Uh, <laughs> Doug Baldwin. <laughs> this is what happens, people. People start having different thoughts when they they're looking me in the eye and then their head raises their eyes raise up to my forehead. The question is, do you want Cody Latimer on your team or Doug Baldwin? And the que- and the reason why you want Cody Latimer on your team is because he's on the Broncos. Plain yeah. and simple. And the reason why you don't want Baldwin on your team is because he's on the Seahawks. Plain and simple. Baldwin, you know what you're going to get, and it ain't that good. Yeah. And, and, and there's it, now it can, more ta- there's there's less of it for him now. Absolutely. And even if every other receiver on the entire team was to get injured, Baldwin would still <laughs> do the exact same that he would do so no true. matter what. So true. If if one receiver gets injured on the Denver Broncos. Cody Latimer doubles Baldwin's output. Period. So true. Period. So, so the, who would you rather have on your team? So that's true. a question. That's why you highlight a guy when you're doing your tiers. You highlight a guy like Latimer, even though he's right next to Baldwin. You highlight him because that, that's where the power numbers. You're saying lie. this situation is gravy. Yeah. This is this could be awesome. That's that, why power numbers rules. It, it's so true. Well, I think uh, unless we got anything else to cover, I think this is a great thing. And read the piece we've got on the site. Pick up our draft kit. Pyro Pro is coming down the pipes July. As we said over the past couple weeks, we've uh, we've hired a full time developer, and we're really bringing it home with that thing. Really excited about all this stuff. I'm going to mention right now we've got a new writer and an old fan, a guy that's been a, a fan of Pyromaniac for a real long time. It's Kania. Kania is our guy. So welcome aboard, dude. Uh, you've been awesome on Twitter. You've been awesome on Facebook, and we're really excited uh, that you want to, you know, join this journey with us and be one of our our, our writers. And uh, it's awesome, man. You're you're sweet. So we're a small company. We got a, a, a tight knit group of people, and we're small, man. We ain't 
we, we don't have that many guys, but we work our balls off on this stuff, and we do it differently. You go to our site, pyromaniac.com, there's nothing like it. What we put into the art, what we put into our original pieces, the concepts that we've literally pioneered that now all the even big shots are doing, tears, uh, targets, touches, and looks, power and numbers, uh, you know, not really pickups, but foreshadowing pickups. Two pick, two weeks ahead, who you should be picking up. We've been doing all this stuff since 2010. That's the way we're doing it. Yeah. We do not screw around. Dogmatica, as you know, listen to this show. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say, on Facebook today, I, I mentioned how you did the SOS, and uh, you know, screw it. I, I, I'm sad. I, I, I closed it out, but. One of our boys says, Dogmatica is the fucking best. You are, dude. You come up with these amazing stats, and you're just awesome. Houdini does his thing. Stag Party knows the game so friggin' well. We got Valverde, who's cranking it out. OC with me on Twitter, helping us out on uh, you know what we're doing, and we're going to grow it a lot more over there on Reddit. And just all the things that he's been doing with the pros and cons and helping with the draft kit and all that stuff. Amen, dude. OC, appreciate it. I hate it when you rip on my Blackhawks, but uh, <laughs> other than that, you're the man. Uh, we got Mo rocking it up in Grand Rapids, who's been, who's been just amazing. Those, those videos that you're doing, the interviews you're doing. It's just friggin' awesome. Suits getting back in the mix. He's going to be helping us out how we can grow this podcast, how we can do some business things, do some biz dev things. Come up with some great ways for us to help our exposure. Man, the list does not end. It does not end. That's a fact. And, and having more people in the mix, and I'm going to shut this down in a minute, but I just want to give much love out to all our Pyro brothers and all the hard work you do, and we appreciate it. We're working towards something, and we're going to achieve it. Uh, and here's to all you listeners who have been with us for a week or been with us for three years. We appreciate it. Come on, man. We're a small business. I don't go out. I don't sleep. We just deliver this shit. You're That's the it. same way. We're just always wanting to build Pyromaniac. And not so that your people in your league are getting it, but I'm going to tell you one thing. We're going to keep working through this. We're not going to quit until we're a household name. Soon enough, we're going to be the equivalent of Yahoo, CBS, and whatever that means for rankings. It's going to happen. Because we're that it's gonna good. Happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, you guys got to help it happen. And we need your help to make it happen. But we're, we're doing everything we can to, to, to make sure that you guys understand. We make it happen for you. And, hey, we're working day and night, 24-7. Uh, you, you, you need a beer, you go to 7-Eleven. You, you need fantasy advice, you come to us. That's, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's just the way it is. One thing I noticed is that they've got uh, Jamba Juice at 7-Eleven, son. Do they really? Yeah. I've been it's to like a 7-Eleven. Slur Slurpee machine. I haven't gone to 7-Eleven. What's your spot? Uh, I don't go to a well, spot. Well, right. No, you, what's your coffee spot? What's that one over there? Oh, oh Thornton's? Thornton's. Yeah. Thornton's. Thornton's. I haven't been to a 7-Eleven in three years. Thornton's, I was at yesterday. Four hours. Yeah. And just so you guys know, it's kind of weird, but Stags had to leave in the middle of the party to work out. I mean, shit in his pants. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Love that kid. So we should have said bye to him, but he left. I thought he was going to come back for us to say bye. So to did him. I. I, I thought he had to pee or something, but he just he just Houdini. He did. Stag party Houdini. Phenomenal. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. All right. The music we play tonight. Obviously, we didn't do any sound bites because 
uh, Houdini wasn't here, and he's our sound guy. We'll be psyched to have him back next week. But the music was beta band. Old school band. Old, old school band. You ever seen the movie High Fidelity? You'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, it's a, just, a, just a friggin' great band. And we're going to close out with uh, Dry the Rain. And uh, I'm spacing the name of the song that... Uh, that I opened up. Uh, it's not beautiful. Yeah, it's not too beautiful. Yeah. is what we opened up with. Great band out of Scotland. Uh, another band that are that are broken up. Quick story before I play this. Yeah. Went to go see this band live at the Vic. The power, power went, went out. out. Power went out on this show Huge for three story. hours, and we were sitting there, me and my boys, and we were waiting. They came on stage and tried to play without any, you know, amps or whatever with acoustic and whatnot. Too loud of a space, no one can hear it. They canceled the show. We're walking out of the Vic. All of a sudden, literally in the lobby, the the, the electricity comes on. Can't, show is still canceled. People were running back in, but they canceled it. It was done. The band broke up that year. Ugh. Yeah. One of my favorite bands that I ever got to see. One of the family members of one of the band members, Django Django, just came out with their second album. Ridiculous. We're not just trying to give you fantasy football information. We're trying to help you out on your music etiquette and, and your beer as well. selection. And yeah, yeah, there you go. Exactly. And what to do with your dollar bills? No, <laughs> <laughs> no breaking doubt about it. So. So, here we go. We love you guys. Peace we out. You. We love you. Thanks for, thanks for joining us on this journey. Man, it means, it means, really, it means a lot to us. Ding! Brown boots in the corner by the 